0: Delta
1: variant
2: transmit to other people. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Well, I'm glad to be back after taking last week off to spend some time with my daughter, and I managed to get a little bit of work done. Some of you, a lot of you, probably know. I spoke at the FDA advisory Committees hearing on the shots for six years old, or sorry six months to five years old, and uh, kind of roasted them a little bit. And we're going to talk about that. I've got a lot of things that I want to cover because there is so much happening in the world right now. And I, I watched uh, Matthias Desmet on the Highwire with Dell Big Tree earlier today. They put it out Thursday absolutely killer, phenomenal interview. It really helped me sort of wrap my head around the whole mass formation uh, concept. He's, he's published a book now that's out and and he did this long interview. Um, it, it really kind of brought home that no, this is not like an event that's coming in March of next year. It's a process that is happening right now before our eyes. So what I've done is I've cut that up into some little clips and I've kind of sprinkled them through out the show tonight so that as we walk through some of the issues and things, and we're going to start with, uh, with this shot and uh, the, the fact that they've approved it and what the data actually shows versus what they're telling us it shows we're going to meander through some of the vaccine injuries. We're going to talk about what's happening with the economy, the housing markets crashing. Uh, I think we're about to see some steep retail discounts and and commodities prices crash because of demand destruction. Uh, we're going to get into oh God, all kinds of things. Uh, crypto, we're going to talk about uh, BlackRock and what they're doing with um, their AI. It's very much... Um, westworld season three kind of concept that's where they're taking us they are sending us down this dark road that um you know they're building all of these things around us and it's not to serve us it's to control and manipulate us and imprison us enslave us in their system built by them to benefit them and not us and so i want to kind of using this whole uh, mass formation, because this is the tool that is used to bring about a totalitarian society. Matthias tells us how we can disrupt that and prevent it from happening and chart a different course. So I want to give you, um, we'll walk through like my speech. I don't even know if we'll play it, but I want to walk through the process that I went through to kind of, let you guys in behind the scenes of how I did something like that. It really wasn't that hard. Um, And uh, you know, like I I get nervous doing that sort of thing. I want to talk about that because I, I want to, my intention with tonight's show is to inspire you guys to do something along those lines, whatever that is, send it. It could be as innocuous as cutting and pasting somebody's email that you really like and sending it on to a list of people. It could be you go to the city council meeting where you live and talk about this stuff. Uh, There's there's varying ways for you to bring about kind of changes in the world to, as Matthews talks about, disrupt the mass formation. That's what prevents it from progressing is people who come in and disrupt that narrative. So, That's my intention with tonight's show, and I've got some tools and things for you as well. Also, some good news from Walter about uh, people who who have taken the shot, what they can do as far as, you know, breaking down the amyloids and uh, the the prions and so forth in your body. There's a couple things that he's found. We're going to look at that as well. Like I said, a lot of stuff in tonight's show. Let's get started. Oh, let's go here.
3: It just doesn't matter to someone in mass formation whether the narrative that leads to the mass formation is correct or blatantly wrong or utterly absurd that doesn't matter people buy into the narrative not because they think it's right or correct or something they buy into the narrative because it leads to this new social bond that's why they buy into the narrative for the same reason as supporters in a football stadium all sing the same song, not because they think this is the most beautiful song in the world or because Ah. the song is right or correct or something, they sing it because it connects them to each other.
2: And that's what these mask mandates do. That's what these, you know, all of these crazy things that the hoops that people have been jumping through, it connects them to this new culture. And these people, have this sort of air of righteousness about them. If you've interacted with many of them because they're doing, they're sacrificing for society, for you and everyone else. And if you're not going along with their delusion, it's because uh, you are a bad person, right? And like they, the the whole isolation thing and and locking everybody down is what put them into this, sort of mindset that made that that narrative so attractive that they reached out and grabbed onto it because they were told you do this and everything goes back to normal and you can have your old life back and so on and so forth. And that solution was in a large part the vaccine that's 100% safe and effective, right? Well, not so fast. This is a video showing all these news clippings, 100% effective, 100% effective, 100% effective, 100%. And then, well, it starts to drop a little bit. 99, 98, 97, 96, 95, 94, 93, 92, 91, 90, 89, 88, 87, 86, 85, 84, 83, 82, 81, 80, and on, and on, and on. And people bought this the entire time. Like nobody said, hey, wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? 58, 57, 56, 55, 54, 53, 52, 51, 50. Is that good enough? 47, 46, 42, 41, 40, 39, 33, 20, boosters, boosters, third booster, booster required, needs boosters.
4: It has nothing to do with whether or not it's effective. We know it's highly effective.
2: (laughs) And of course, now we know if you're injected with this, you're five to six times more likely to catch COVID.
0: for joining today's director debrief. COVID-19 vaccines are now available for children under five. With this recent authorization from FDA and recommendation from CDC, nearly 20 million children are now able to get vaccinated against COVID-19. I know many parents so with very young children have oh my been gosh. anticipating this I have been day. waiting
2: on this, Michelle We now Rochelle. know, based on Thank rigorous
0: you. scientific review, that the vaccines available here in the United States can be used safely and effectively in children under five. They're
2: safe and effective for children under five. Here we go. And did you notice how she said 20 million children are now available and not the vaccine is available for five and under, or for six months to five years old? Or for the vaccine is available for six months and over? No, she said 20 million. Why? It's part of that collective groupthink mindset. She wants all of the suckers that are going to come line up for these shots to inject their children with a compound that's going to induce their body to produce a cytotoxic, neurotoxic bioweapon, which will... Uh, break down into amyloids and misfold into prions and cause their organs to start failing. Parkinson's, it'll trigger all the signs of aging. Just what a six month old baby needs, isn't it? I mean, that's the reality, but let's let's look at the study that she's done to validate this, shall we? trial
5: recruited 4,526 children Age from six months to four years old.
2: Now, this is Claire Craig, Doctor Claire Craig. She's runs the Heart Group. They've kind of been putting out some data. They're kind of like an FLCCCAFLDS type organization.
5: Three thousand of these children did not make it to the end of the trial. That is a huge number. Two thirds of them. Why was there this drop off? That
2: needs. So two-thirds, 3,000 out of 4,000 and whatever it was, kids dropped out of the trial. Why would you do that? And you've got to remember here, these are the 20% in this trial, the ones taking their kids in to be the first because they're sure it works. They're sure it's the answer. Everybody told them so and they are, they are right and they want to protect everyone and show the world that everything that they've done, all of the sacrifices that they have made have been worth it. And yet, 3,000 of them dropped out. Why? What happened to those babies?
5: It needs to be answered, and without an answer to that, on that basis alone, this trial should be deemed null and void. Absolutely. So what did the trial show? Well, they defined severe COVID as children who had a slightly raised heart rate or a few more breaths per minute. There were six children aged two to four who had severe COVID in the vaccine group, but only one in the placebo group. So on that basis, the likelihood that this vaccine is actually causing severe COVID is higher than the likelihood that it is. There was actually one child who was hospitalized in this trial. They had a fever and a seizure. They had been vaccinated. So now let's turn to what they defined as any COVID. And what they did was to utterly twist the data.
2: Now, I do want to mention that kid that had the fever. It was like for four days. That's not a normal fever. That baby was fighting for its life.
5: They vaccinated the children, and they waited three weeks after the first dose Before the second dose in that three week period, 34 of the vaccinated children got COVID and only 13 in the placebo group, which worked out as a 30% increased chance of catching COVID in that three week period. If you were vaccinated.
2: What do we do? Well, let's throw that data out. Obviously the vaccine hasn't taken effect yet, right? I mean, and these kids were just about to get COVID anyway. It's not that our product made them sick. Definitely not. We'll just throw this data out and go on to after the second dose, right?
5: So they ignored that data. And then there was an eight-week gap between the second dose and the third dose, where, again, children were getting plenty of COVID in the vaccine arms. So they ignored that data. <sighs> there was then seven weeks after Oops. the third dose, which they also ignored which meant that in the end, they had ignored 97% of the COVID that occurred during the trial. And they just looked at tiny numbers, so tiny. In the end, they were comparing three children in the vaccine arm who had COVID with seven in the placebo arm. And they said that this showed the vaccine was effective.
2: After they threw out 97% of the COVID cases. This is absolute scientific fraud. What these people are doing is criminal and it is resulting in mass murder. And they need to be held accountable for their actions. There's no way they're getting away with
3: this. The leaders of the masses based their uh, propaganda on the very correct psychological assumption it is perfectly possible to lie to the population time and time again. And it might perfectly be the case that every day it becomes clear that what you said the day before was a lie, people will still believe the lie of today and they will go along with it as if it is the truth. Vaccinating young children
0: is a critical opportunity to protect them against hospitalization and death from COVID-19. Parents I strongly encourage you to get your children vaccinated. If you have questions, talk to your child's provider to learn more about the benefits of this vaccine. We have taken another important step together in our fight against COVID-19 by making safe and effective vaccines available for our little ones. I hope all parents will take advantage of these life-saving vaccines and protect their children.
2: unbelievable like how do you say that how, how do they how are they going along with this
3: uh, intelligence uh, doesn't protect you from mass formation not at all and the level of education is even a counterindication the higher the level of education the more vulnerable for mass formation that has been observed in the 19th wow. century and 20th century and we see it again now so but indeed the, the most
2: and I have seen exactly that. I mean, do you know how many doctors are out there on Twitter, still pushing these shots, still saying that they're effective and that you know bring your kids in, and I can't wait to jab up my kids. They're they're babies. Meanwhile, what's coming out? Data that it affects fertility in males. That it that it lower sperm count and uh, how good of swimmers they are. There's a word for it. We'll get into that. And they are doing this to babies that are still developing those systems. And we know it's having a deteriorate effect. And like they, they're not even going to look at that because their leaders have told them what to think.
3: The important thing is that, well, A population has to be in a very specific mental state in order for large-scale mass formation to emerge. And the most crucial condition for large-scale mass formation is that many people have to be disconnected from their natural and their social environment. So many people have to feel lonely, have to feel atomized, as Hannah Arendt called it.
6: I feel the
7: pain of those who are opposed to it, who've had bad experiences with it, they can choose simply to not get the vaccine.
6: All California students K through 12 may soon be required to get a COVID-19 vaccine.
0: An EUA doesn't certify that a vaccine is safe and effective.
8: This platform, this mRNA vaccine platform, may be useful not just against this current coronavirus and its current variants, but the next ones, as well as future pandemics. It it does worry
7: me, actually, that there was no protection after dose two. And with Moderna, you know, you have, for example, low levels of protective efficacy after dose two. I think it was a surprisingly negative result. A little hard to put, to to, uh, to feel comfortable about that since the numbers were so low. But I do worry that parents aren't necessarily going to know that after two doses they may not be protected at all. Please approve both vaccines. The data shows that we have
0: two effective options for our kids. I do worry that...
2: Now, yeah, that was one of the speakers. There were several on there that were just begging and pleading, please approve these things. We need them so desperately. And they used the term immunobridging. And the immunobridging data looks so promising and so good. And these things are very effective. What does that mean? It means they didn't collect data from the cohort that they were actually studying. They went not one, not two. I think it was two or three groups, age groups up where the risks were far higher to justify what they were doing. This is insanity. It's pseudoscience. It is garbage. And they just don't care that
7: those, those two dose data were surprisingly poor.
2: And like I'm listening to these people that are, you know, they're just normal moms and dads, supposedly some of them were pediatricians and so forth. And they're all using that buzzword, immunobridging. And then making, it's like they were giving talking points. No doubt there's an organization out there who probably pushed some of these pharma, pharma employees. That was another amazing thing that I heard as I'm sitting on the phone, getting, you know, they brought us all into a conference call, muted everybody, and then unmuted one at a time when we were uh, doing the sound check and then when it was time to speak. And these, uh, one of the things that happened uh, there was a lady that they couldn't get a hold of. That somebody messaged, and then finally she joined the the call, and she said, "I spoke yesterday," and the the IT guy said, "Well, you're on the schedule for yesterday and today. Do you want to, you know, do you want to speak again today? You you have a spot." And she said, "No, it was too upsetting. I can't do it again. I have no idea why." I was like, "What is she talking about?" And then I sit through, like. Five or six of these uh, pediatric. There was like pediatricians on there saying, uh, "You know, I'm Doctor So So and So. I'm a pediatrician, and I have no conflicts of of interest or no financial conflicts." And I'm just like, "I'm sorry. Wait, you're a pediatrician? Do you give vaccines in your office? Yeah, that's a conflict. Do you get paid for that? That's a conflict of interest." But like it was just it was stunning to me to listen to them it's like how can they be so ignorant so absolutely clueless of the reality that's unfolding around them and this is how what matthias is explaining is well underway okay and this these are this is broken truth that put these we're going to go through a couple of these little compilations or mashups as he calls them um where Yeah, it just takes you to the depths of what they're
0: actually doing. The uh, education around this is done very, very carefully. So that uh, people are not misled by what the vaccines actually provide. I share the um, uh, concerns of the last two speakers about the um, two-dose data. I was also actually quite surprised. You know, I would really hope in our communications that we not use that 80% effectiveness because my level of confidence in that that number, I believe the vaccine is effective. I do not have any idea what that number will actually end up being. And additionally, I think it's really important for people to understand not, you know, that, that this was effectiveness after 30 days.
9: Other vaccines have looked at effectiveness after longer periods of time of follow up. There, there does seem to be a lot of mystery around the second dose effectiveness with uh, Pfizer.
7: There's a number of doses required. Two, three, maybe four in
0: immunocompromised individuals, maybe five. This is the day that we authorized the very first vaccine for use in um, people who are 16 years of age and older. And I was actually one of the no votes, which got me into a lot of trouble, got me into a lot of trouble.
2: A lot of trouble from who exactly? Why would she get in trouble for voting no? These are just compromised, rigged, paid off people that are going to go put a job application in at Pfizer or Moderna, get a corner office to do nothing and collect a million or two a year. That's who these people are. And the ones who do the wrong thing, who go against the narrative, apparently get a talking to, right? And she's got all this medical school debt probably, has to pay that off somehow and can't get kicked out of the medical, blackballed in the medical community. This is the problem with having these government monopolies. You cannot let governments get this big because this is the result. Everything gets co-opted top to bottom, and that's what we're seeing, and they're able to use that for mass wealth extraction, mass uh, rights deprivation, and mass murder if they decide to, all for them to ring the cash register and rake in tens of billions of dollars.
0: got me into a lot of trouble. I think we owe the
7: public is to make them aware of the true risk of COVID-19 in children. According to the seroprevalence data, that 70% of kids have been exposed to SARS-CoV-2 means that as many as 35 million children have been infected. And with 637 deaths in kids 0 to
4: 11 years old, that means the risk is relatively small. Given
2: the... so, almost no risk. And those kids, those 637, probably 90 plus, 99% of them likely had something else wrong, some kind of pre existing condition. And how many of them died with versus died from COVID, who knows? But 600 out of 30 million. Look at the other side of that coin the vaccine injuries, the kids that will die from this shot whose lives will be destroyed. As we're going to look at some of the stories of the vaccine injured later, there were a couple of them that called in and they were in tears. And I was crying with one of them because they're just being gaslit and lied to and written off by these people who have harmed them and aren't willing to acknowledge it because they're part of this mass formation.
9: Tragically high number of people, and
7: those do include children and teens who suffered from death and disability from COVID-19. We must make sure our students are vaccinated against COVID as well.
4: It's a small number of children who have received these vaccines and the safety, um, is not as well-established as it is in adolescents and adults. If this legislation
7: is passed, it eliminates uh, the you know, need for local school districts to take our own actions and eliminates the legal ambiguity. I,
4: I, again, I don't think they should be required for uh, uh, any specific situation. So effectively, you must have taken the vaccine and had a severe allergic reaction, which could be fatal in order to establish that you qualify for a medical exemption according to the cdc yes
3: That's
2: fine though
3: and there is only a small minority of the people who knows that there is something wrong with the narrative who really sees what is happening and who also decides to speak out and to go against the masses and it's this group that is crucial this group is crucial this group should know that one they won't succeed in waking up the masses through rational argumentation that's impossible the mechanism is just too strong but and that's crucial it's not because this group does not succeed through speaking out in waking up the masses that speech has no effect their speech has a huge effect it constantly disturbs the process of mass formation Constantly disrupts it and that makes sure the speech of the dissonant voice, the sound of a dissonant voice, makes sure that the process of mass formation is constantly disturbed and um, Gustave Le Bon, one of...
2: Okay, we'll come back to that. So obviously I'm in that very small minority (laughs) and what he's describing is the reason I approached um, the speech the way I did. Okay, and let me jump over actually here. Um, I did not for a second think that I was giving this speech and talking to the people on this advisory panel. Not for a second. Um, so what I did, I got this, I, you know, I've I've been looking for an opportunity to do this for months and months after I saw... I think it was Steve Kirsch or somebody uh, doing public comments at one of these hearings. I'm like, Holy shit, you can do that. I need to, I need to do that. So I'm watching and I see this hear about this news. So I'm checking through their website and I find where you have to email them. And then I email them and give them the information. They send me an email back. You didn't give us this information. So I email them back and then they email me again and say, we're going to do a test call and you have to answer the test call (laughs) on Monday between 3 and 3 30 to get that that call didn't come then they tried calling while I was at the water park with my daughter and then tried calling the next day and then I finally got a hold of them and then I now I'm finally in all right because I've been trained on how to talk when they unmute me <laughs> so they put up all these hoops of course I had to send in the slides by Friday They said they weren't gonna use my slides, which obviously they didn't. I wrote them back saying, unless your slide looks exactly like mine, let's go ahead and use mine. And they don't really care being public servants who are a monopoly organization. It's not like they can be fired for not doing their job and they can just be lazy because they'd rather do their own little slide here than actually have to bother with opening one slide and putting it up on the screen. When it was my turn, that was just too much for them, right? And of course they did a lottery apparently because there were too many and we get all of these ringers who are in there just begging and pleading. We need this vaccine. The immunobridging data is very strong. It was, it was like watching one of those nightly news clips where they're all saying the exact same words, insert your city here or your community here. And then they go back to the script it's stunning. So I spoke instead right past them. And the way I did this, I typed up a draft. I recorded it through. Uh, I did an audio recording. And then I had the um, the manuscript, or whatever, the the text of the speech. And I sent that out to a few people <clears throat> in the mouse army and got some feedback on it. And one of them was like, don't do this. You know, like I was going at them hard and I had actually selected, I was hoping <laughs> I was, I, I picked some certain words in certain orders to try and intentionally see if I could trigger uh, the YouTube algorithms to shut down the stream. And one of the mice army said, oh no, don't do that. That would be a disaster. I'm like, no, that would be absolutely amazing because do you know how much attention it would draw to what I was having to say that YouTube cut down the FDA stream? That would be beautiful. And uh, anyway, so then we kind of hashed out, well, here, look, the data are very clear. It's, it's been very crystal clear for a long, long time. What's also crystal clear is they don't give a fuck what the data says, all right? If they did, they would have stopped these long ago. They don't care. Nothing you say to them is going to make them care, so why waste your time presenting data that they're not going to care about? And if you present it just as, well, the data shows this, so y'all should really do something, who's going to watch that? The people who are already watching these. That doesn't reach anybody. So what I strive for, especially when I do public speaking, and I've done this in New Hampshire for the death penalty, there was a, a committee that was going of ex-cops and stuff who were going around hearing from the different communities about abolishing the death penalty in New Hampshire. And uh, every speaker got up and spoke uh, in uh, opposition to keeping the death penalty. They wanted to get rid of it except for one guy. And he was like, man, if they get the cops, we got to kill them and ah, law and order. ah." And then I got up and I spoke not about the morality of the death penalty, but about their system and how flawed it is and how many mistakes they make and how you can't take back that mistake. And I excoriated them just like I did the FDA here by not addressing them but addressing the elephant in the room. And that is insanely powerful. Now, of course, they went off, and it was the death penalty only if you kill a cop. Everybody else can't get the death penalty unless it's a cop. Of course, it's in the New Hampshire Constitution. You can't have a protected class. Cops kill them. You get the death penalty. Nobody else gets that privilege. That's a protected class. It's unconstitutional, but they don't really care, right? Those are just words on paper. And they of course voted to keep it just like I knew the advisory panel was going to do this also. So what I explained to them is here's what I'm doing. Okay. I need mic drop moment that this thing gets a wider audience than it would because it's not helping anybody. If it's just the people who already watch these things, which is a pretty small number. I mean, sometimes some little bits and stuff gets shared. It's a home run. If it goes outside of that circle and hits the normies who watch this and are like, holy crap. And then what was the other component of what I was trying to do? I was trying to open their eyes to the fact that all of these people around them that are dying suddenly and getting rare cancers and they're fast acting and aggressive or having herpes or shingles outbreaks and all of these things, that is a, re- that is a vaccine injury. There are vaccine injured all around them and most of them are oblivious to it because they're part of the mass formation and the propaganda has taken its toll on them. So that was the other part of this plan. And that's why this thing works so well is because it is pointing out like, Hey, y'all aren't y'all aren't doing your job here. People are getting hurt. The safety signals are there. You are flat out ignoring them. Speaking of which, right here, uh, Jack and Apes Junction, this is Josh uh, Getzkow, I believe. He's talking about some FOIA articles or FOIA requests that he sent in to the CDC. They lied about their their safety monitoring effort right here. Alarming and unambiguous safety signals coming from VAERS using the CDC's own published methodology. That's what they were trying to do, this whole pharmacovigilance idea. Why, if the safety signals were so blaringly obvious, nobody was doing anything? Was nobody doing anything, right? Well, it turns out the CDC wasn't even looking for safety signals. They said they were going to use the most basic standard pharmacovigilance method, calculating what they are calling... PRRs, proportional reporting ratios, to monitor VAERS, but it turns out they didn't. And then they turned around and said they weren't seeking any, seeing any safety signals in VAERS. They forgot to mention that they weren't actually looking for any. So they're like, well, we don't have any data that shows that. We said we were going to collect that data, but we didn't collect it. And now we don't have any data that shows that, so we're going to tell you we don't see that. It's not apparent in the data that we didn't collect, that we don't have. They took a page from the pharma playbook, don't look for safety problems, then claim that, that the absence of data is evidence of absence, meaning it doesn't exist. And he goes through the documents and so forth here in his uh, Substack article, Jack, Apes.substack.com. if you want to come in and read that. What else was going on? Well, Elgato Mala, the bad cat, has a story. Now, he's referencing this study right here that just came out recently. Uh, COVID-19 vaccination with BNT162B2 Pfizer vaccine temporarily impairs semen concentration and total mortal count among semen donors. I think that's how good of swimmers they are. And, of course, here <clears throat> they collected three, uh, three intervals. T1, 2, and three. One was 15 to 45 days. 2 was 75 to 120 days. And 3 was over 150 days after vaccination. And of course, down here in their results, T3 evaluation demonstrated overall recovery. Semen volume and sperm mortality were not impaired. So everything is fine. If if you're reading that and you're a reasonable uh, thinking person like me, you would say, oh, okay. Yep, so everything went back to normal. Well... Not so fast. One of the great early misapprehensions about mRNA vaccines is that they would not have widespread systemic effects, instead remain relatively localized. Stays at the injection site, right? That was a load of BS. This was rapidly debunked, and early studies showed widespread penetration of organs with a particular and perhaps unfortunate preference for concentration in ovaries and testes. Now, I had a bit about testes in the first version of the speech, but that got taken out to really focus on ovaries or the female reproductive system. And you know, it's, it's three minutes. I did what I could, uh, discovered early in Japan, then denied vehemently by armies of fact checkers only wind up wound up proven in Pfizer's own documents. This is Israeli study was published two days ago. So they went to a sperm bank, got samples from a, I forget how many guys, Got the three samples. It was, oh, I don't see it. But anyway, and the results are, well, nuts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Various testicular cells, including Leydig, Sertoli, I have a bunch of them, Express ACE2 and related proteases resulting with viral fusion 5 and 6, Uh, cytokine storm induced dysfunction autophagy uh, regulation and damaged blood testes barrier were also suggested as possible pathogenic mechanisms for testicular damage now this happened i think to me and this happened to a lot of people in my audience despite us not taking the vaccines how did it happen well I was out working the floods in Dallas after the freeze. I think this was 2020, kind of as they were being rolled out and everybody was getting them. So the the spike protein are at peak levels.'re Everybody's trying to get rid of them and shedding them as exosomes into their environment. And I picked those up. and I think it's entirely possible that I might have picked up some mRNA lipid, uh, lipid nanocomplex encased mRNA that somebody shed as well. Now there's people with differences of opinion on there and it set up shop in my testes. They got inflamed, enlarged, sensitive, had a rash breakout a few days later. I think that was spike protein or doing damage. And I've even had uh, just recently like this spot about this big on the kind of inside of my thigh in the middle. And it felt like it was bruised but the skin was perfect. There was no bruise there. It was kind of below the surface a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's some kind of spike protein damage. That's where it ended up collecting in my body. And it finally went away. But that's what's happening to people, not just to the vaccinated. You need to understand this is a cumulative process. This is a bioweapon, cytotoxic neurotoxin that breaks down in and misfolds into prions that cause damage all over your body, not just the brain, every organ. And it gets broken down into uh fibrils that collect in the vasculature and cause all sorts of problems. And I actually heard I listened to a couple scientists, Kevin, we're gonna see some of his tweets later, uh talking with Walter Chestnut, and we're gonna read one of his stories. And they were talking about something I suggested a long time ago that these white strands is just, I think, the immune system trying to pull this, this stuff out of the bloodstream and get it away. But there is just so much of it because they continually here's a, have another booster, have another booster, and create more and more of these spike proteins. The first shot creates higher levels of the spike protein than you get from the natural virus. Why do they need to do four more? Is it because they have this metric that doesn't actually measure whether or not you're protected, but it's just measuring an antibody response to what they've injected? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Therefore, uh, detrimental impact on both uh, spermogenesis and testosterone production, 10 uh, seem an obvious outcome. They evaluated donors from three sperm, sperm banks over longitudinal period commencing before the Pfizer vaccine and following up after. Okay. So what did they find? Systemic immune response after BNT after the Pfizer vaccine is a reasonable cause for transient semen concentration and TMC decline. Long-term prognosis remains good. That's from the report but I'm left wondering about these claims. This is why you should always read, and he goes through and shows how they're hiding. They're not telling the truth about what the data actually shows. He's saying this is why you should always read these data repositories because they often tell quite a different tale than the abstract. So here we have it right here. You can see, and let me just make this uh, full screen for you guys if I can. There we go, a little better. Actually, there we go. Perfect. You can see here there's sperm concentration in this first red box, and then in the lower red box down here, total mortal count. And T1, which was the first time period for collection, negative 14.5%. T2 is 15.4%. T3, fifth, ne- sorry, these are all negative. Negative 14, negative 15, almost negative 16, 15.9. In the mortal count, uh, negative two percent at T1, negative twenty two percent at T2, and then back down a little bit to negative nineteen percent. And this is what they're telling us. Oh, that's uh these are great numbers. This is full recovery. Everything is obviously fine here, right? <laughs> Not so fast. The bad cat is saying, I'm struggling to see how one could call this recovery. We're talking about six months post-vax with no recovery in sperm concentration. This raises some serious concerns for a number of reasons. Obviously, this is a significant unforeseen impact, not only missed in the rush job during the drug trials, but that the drug makers assured us was basically impossible and spent the better part of a year vehemently denying. This effect looks durable, to at least six months. And from this data, we really do not know when or even if or to what extent it will attenuate. The role of boosters here is not known, but there is every reason to expect they will have a similar effect and either extend or possibly worsen this effect. Because again, you know, it's just another dose of more of these toxic bioweapons being pumped out of your cells. This is insanity. This seems like a study that should be performed immediately. Even if this condition does moderate and TMC return to prior levels over time, that timescale looks quite long. It's certainly more than six months. This would seem to imply low mortal counts and be near constant in regimen of annual or biannual boosters, which is exactly what they're talking about, isn't it? They are We are heading headlong, they are trying to take us into children of man territory because they're either doing this intentionally as part of a depopulation event or they're just blinded by greed and captured by the mass formation. I'll leave it up to you to decide which one that is. That is why vaccine development generally takes place over five to ten years, not five to seven months Best I can tell, we cannot even yet rule out if these effects are permanent. And of course, we have zero idea what they might do. Of course, what's happening when these cells express the spike, they come in and get killed. Sets up autoimmune disease. So heart tissue, organ tissue, liver, that that doesn't grow back. It's gone. You just lose that capacity. That's, I think, why he's saying these effects might be permanent. And then with each booster, guess what? More dead cells. And it just keeps going and going. We don't even know when the spikes stop getting produced, if they stop getting produced. There's evidence of reverse transcription that's going to, you know, when your cells divide, they're gonna be programmed to produce the spike again. (laughs) And it might even skip generations. And when it starts producing the spike in a fetus, it's gonna kill the fetus. So women won't be able to have babies. That's what they've done to humanity here. That's what this data is showing us. Okay, maybe not all of that, but that's what it implies might be happening to the human race. And I say the human race because these spikes are transmissible through the exosomes. I was on uh, Under the Wire, an Australian podcast that focuses on, you know, the vaccine stuff. And that was one of the things we covered. My account was locked for nine months, about a year ago, for a tweet that talked about shedding in the vaccinated, shedding the spike to the unvaccinated and making them sick. And I appealed it. And this is when the Alex Bernstein lawsuits, you know, was already was getting underway. And you know what? They never reviewed it after nine months. Why? Because they know if they, you know, turn that down. They know what I was saying was correct and true and backed up and proven by studies that it wouldn't stand up in court and that they risk a lawsuit if they approved it. So what did they do? We're, uh, you know, month six, we're still waiting to, uh, review your tweet. Haven't done it yet. Month seven, still waiting to review month eight, month nine, still waiting to review. And finally I turned the account back on. They know what they're doing and it's all connected. This, they are building this control grid around us. It's getting into Alex Jones territory, right? The prison planet. We have to stop this. We have to change course here. Uh, And of course we have zero idea what they might do to a pre-adolescent and possibly impacts on their healthy sexual development and ultimate fertility but yet they want to give this to kids from six months to five years old. This feels reckless. We have little idea what this may be doing to the ovaries and eggs. There are either as these are much more difficult and invasive to study, unlike, you know, I might have to do that through autopsy and unlike sperm eggs do not replenish. So if you damage them, that's it, no kids for you. And these things are transmissible shed by the vaccinated at higher levels shortly after vaccination. And they want to do these annually for the whole population. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Of course, what kind of safety signals do we have? We're watching the video back over here. What kind of safety signals did they see? Well, here's one. This is uh, disability and cumulative COVID-19 vaccinations put on a chart here, and you can see it was right around a little under 30 million back when they started rolling out the vaccines, and then it steeply climbed with the vaccination rate, and now we have an additional 2.9 million people disabled in the United States above the baseline. There's your workforce shortages. That's why everybody's hiring and nobody can find people. You've got 3 million people just in the injury category that have dropped dead. Another couple hundred thousand plus just in the U.S. that have died from these things. But, you know, this is misleading misinformation down here, obviously. He's literally asking Ben, this is Ben, U.S. Mortality on Twitter. He's saying, is this proof what the COVID-19 vaccines might have caused, to uh, that the COVID-19 vaccinations might have caused 2.9 million additional disabilities in the U.S.? And he's posting government data. And they're tagging this as misleading. Of course, what else is going on? I talked about some of the callers that were, you know, very wordy with the immunobridging data. Well, Jicky found this account on Twitter, Shock Trauma RN, named you know going by Sherry Cummings. It would this person was going around all day long attacking people that were you know sharing facts and data and so forth. Right, all day long, but she's a, a trauma, you know, ICU nurse, right? Because she's got nothing to do all day long but hang out on Twitter and debate and attack people. Well, Jicky looked her up and found out that oh, here's the real Sherry, <laughs> and uh, she wasn't too happy that someone was using her name on Twitter, and she said she quit working three years ago. So was this a coworker that knew her? and decided to assume her name online and then go and attack people? Or was this military intelligence or some pharmaceutical fixer company that found the records, found a nurse that is not working anywhere, and then assumed her identity to go and attack and spread so doubt. That's the level at which this game is being played. Make no mistake, They know exactly what they're doing. Of course, meanwhile, here's, uh, this is a reporter for WS Online News. Uh, This is Canada, and he's asked for, uh, you know, send me your vaccine injury stories. And there's a thread here, and you can see it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And he's imploring the mainstream media, where has the mainstream media been for the last year? Because here's what he's getting. I'm, I'm still suffering after 13 months post uh, one-day Pfizer, massive deep vein thrombosis in my left leg and pulmonary embolisms in my right lung. My 18-year-old son, J&J, bilateral pulmonary embolisms and infraction, infarction in the left lung. Hi, I've been having adverse reactions in heart pains, hives, constant rashes, sore arm, achy legs, and often now have a sore stomach. I do feel a lack of focus and brain fog. Those are the prions and the amyloids. Amyloidosis is what's happening and it's going to leave a lot of these people dead. Hi, Matthew. Both my mother and husband have had extremely swollen lymph nodes in their neck and under their arms after they received the vaccine. So swollen and painful at times. And of course, that's what's regulating your immune system, right? That they can't sleep. I'm unvaccinated because I was pregnant and then nursing. But after seeing these reactions, I will not be getting a shot once I'm finished. I hope this helps your article. Two bouts of shingles on my face within six weeks of the second dose. Almost went blind. That's on top of the twitchy eye and pulse in the back of my neck. So nerve damage, major nerve damage. What's happened to Justin Bieber? He's got a virus on his ear that's affecting the nerves running to his face. And that's why he's lost control. He's absolutely vaccine injured. So is his wife. She had a heart surgery folks, after the vaccine. That's two in one family. These are extremely rare, right? Wasn't that the talking point two years ago? It's bullshit. And it goes on and on. It's just heartbreaking to see these people that were lied to and misled. Okay, let's go back here.
3: The most famous mass psychologists in the world, or he wrote his books in the 19th century, mentioned already. That if there are people who continue to speak out in a quiet way without really trying to convince the other people, but just fulfilling the ethical duty to speak out as a human being, that they will make sure that the mass formation does not reach this level in which the masses and their leaders become convinced that it is justified to eliminate and destroy everyone who doesn't go along with them.
2: So, did you catch that? The 1%, the, the not the 1%, but the 5%, whatever it is, this small group that speaks out has to keep speaking out and speak out often. And that's you too. If we want to change this, you've got to start speaking up. That is the only thing that's going to save us is constantly disrupting the mass formation, which is the gateway to a technocratic totalitarian society that they are trying to jam down our throats. And if we don't start taking action, that's where this goes. These people get away with it. And it's a, it's a dark place for our kids
9: we as a country continue to give a large number of vaccines to children where the risk of the child dying or being
2: hospitalized of those diseases is pretty close to zero. In- oh, well, I mean, they do it for all these other ones. Why not add COVID in there too, right? That's the logic. Of course, they've also hidden the data for the unvaccinated. So it can't be compared to the vaccinated, which is also one of the things they did in this trial with the six month to five year old is they, Three weeks later, vaccinated the control group. Let's wipe them out in the study so that we can't see what kind of things develop over the long term. Makes no sense. It is absolute scientific fraud. These people are engaged in criminal behavior and they belong behind bars or swinging from the gallows after a tribunal finds them guilty, if they are.
9: polio, those include measles. Um, we we've vaccinated large numbers of people against HPV even though very few of them would ever develop cancer-related to HPV generally know that many of the infections uh, that we uh, are vaccinating against, uh, the, the, the serious outcomes are quite rare. We continue to recommend flu vaccine for people, uh, even even though it only may be 30 to 40 percent effective. I think uh, nothing in life is perfectly safe. No drug, no vaccine, no personal choice to get on a plane or get into a car is, quote, safe. I think what we need to emphasize.
2: So what is he basically saying here? Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. We're just, you know, some people are gonna get hurt, but it's okay because it's for the greater good. This is what's good for society. This is what's good for the mass formation.
4: Size is that the benefits
2: outweigh the risks.
0: Maddie DeGary is a 12-year-old trial participant, and for the past 10 months, she's been wheelchair-bound and fed via tube. In their report to the FDA, Pfizer described her injuries as functional abdominal pain.
7: Uh, the possibility of febrile seizures, particularly in, in those unusual cases where there's a high fever after the...
2: So that right there was a perfect example of the data that they're saying shows it, they're perfectly safe. The pharmaceutical cartels are manipulating it and absolutely lying about the adverse events to the advisory panel who's approving this. They need to go to jail, too.
8: The vaccine in the young age groups, it's possible we'll see febrile seizures
7: if this gets it, it pushed out.
0: What I'm struggling with is if that's true, that the manufacturer doesn't have to demonstrate necessarily safety and effectiveness, but has to do a benefit-risk enough on the one side to outweigh the other... I'm still struggling with understanding the numbers that are available. But I think it's
7: all about um, people making uh, their own decisions for themselves and their family. That there are tens of millions of people.
2: Unless you're planning on going to school, sending your kids to school in California where it's man- going to be mandated. Yeah.
7: People well, who are unvaccinated and we must also encourage...
2: And of course, what are they using to justify that? Well, it's approved by the FDA, endorsed by the CDC.
9: Them to get the
1: state currently
0: requires all students to receive the COVID vaccine. The mandate was put in place by Governor Newsom in October.
8: It's a matter of choice. I just want to make sure the
7: messaging from the CDC and the FDA is coordinated in such a way that the healthcare providers and the local health care providers can also provide that information to help families and parents make this decision. Uh, every pediatrician that I know at our hospital has been waiting eagerly for this, va- this vote to occur because they can't wait to start giving this vaccine. Hmm.
5: So they measured how many of these children actually managed to catch COVID twice in the two-month follow-up period. And there were 12 children who had COVID twice, and all but one of them were vaccinated, mostly with three doses. So you have to wonder what on earth they're thinking when the claim of reduction in COVID was only four children. And here we have 12 children who got COVID twice, 11 of them vaccinated. So let's just recap. They recruited 4,500 children, 3,000 of them dropped out. And in the end, they're claiming this vaccine works on the basis of three COVID cases versus seven, a difference of four children only. And all of this on a backdrop of a disease which doesn't affect children and with no long-term safety data.
2: We- Zero clinical risk. There are kids that die from it, but most of them have you know pre-existing conditions and it doesn't even come out to a significant percentage.
5: You have to ask how an ethics committee could have approved this trial in babies. Babies are not at risk from COVID. And now we have Pfizer who are presenting this as evidence to the FDA in order to apply for an emergency use authorization. Emergency use authorization is meant for a situation where there's a risk of serious injury or death. Now, children under five are not at risk of serious injury or death from COVID. In fact,
2: No, (laughs) but Pfizer is at serious risk of losing a lot of money if they don't get the immunity that that emergency use authorization grants. Isn't there an approved regular vaccine that's not under the EUA? Why aren't they using that one yet? We know why.
5: Their own trial. They had to make up other ways of measuring the problem because there was no serious injury or death. Now, originally, these products were sold as actually also reducing transmission. Now, it would be completely unethical to use young children as a human shield, but we now know that they don't reduce transmission. The WHO have stopped claiming and they reduce transmission. So that argument doesn't apply either. Now, if we just turn to safety, what they did is they followed up the patients for six weeks before unblinding them and vaccinating them. So the children who'd have placebo, the control group were followed up for an average of six weeks and then given the vaccine. So that's your safety control gone forever. The fact that this child existed weeks. at all is unbelievable. There are other issues in
2: six weeks and we know what it's doing to sperm and ovaries. And they're injecting it into kids and just like, well, Six weeks have gone by, it looks like everything's going to be fine. No.
5: In there, which I haven't highlighted, but those are the key ones. Parents should be demanding that the decision makers explain themselves.
2: Yes, yes, they should.
3: Exactly. Mass formation is a, is a specific kind of group formation, uh, which has very specific effects at the level of individual mental functioning. For instance, it tends to make people completely incapable of taking a critical distance of what the group believes in, and in the end, the group starts to believe in the most absurd things, such as, to give one concrete example, um, during the revolution in Iran, the revolution of 1979, which was the beginning of a large-scale process of mass formation in Iran, people started to believe that the portrait, the picture of the Ayatollah, their, the leader of the mass, you could say, was printed on the surface of the moon. And when there was a full moon in the sky, people typically stood out in the streets pointing at the moon, showing where exactly they could see uh, the portrait of the Ayatollah. That's one historical example.
2: Now, that is also, there's a conformity experiment where they bring somebody in to a kind of uh, sample group or study group, right? And they're the only uh, subject in the study and everybody else is a paid actor basically in on the experiment and they show them different size lines and uh, or different length lines. And they ask them which one is the longest or the shortest and all the actors give the wrong answer. And then the, the person who's not like the first one, they usually they're okay with being wrong but eventually they start seeing it too and they start going along with the group. So there's so many dynamics we want to belong and fit in that are used to sort of bring about these atrocities.
3: ...of how absurd wow. the beliefs of a mass of a mass can, can come. So that, that's one typical characteristic of, of of the phenomenon of mass formation, one typical effect of mass formation on individual mental functioning but there is more for instance people who are in the grip of a mass formation typically become willing to self-sacrifice they it is as if they are no longer aware of their own personal egoistic interests and this this goes very far as well people become radically aware to sacrifice everything that was important to them before the mass formation started and a third characteristic that is that is extremely important is that People who are in the grip of mass formation typically become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. And in the end, they tend to stigmatize the people that do not go along with them, give them a sign, and then start to commit cruelties towards them. And in the end, try to eliminate or destroy them. And even more important or more characteristic, they do so. As if it is an ethical duty to do that, to do to, to destroy these other people.
2: And that right there is exactly what I experience. Like these people in their minds, they're saving everyone. They're making the sacrifices to belong to this new collective identity that overrides the individual. And that is the critical misstep for any society to take is to override the rights of the individual for the collective, for the greater good as defined by some interpreter who has everything to gain from his definition. Of course, here's another thing I just want to point out to you. So this is Ryan Whitney. I had no idea who this guy is, 420,000 followers on Twitter. He's been stuck in the Toronto airport, which has just had horrendous lines for the last few weeks. Why? Well, the mandates, they fired everyone who wasn't vaccinated and they've also lost people to disability and death as well. And he's like on, I think day two stuck trying to get home. Listen to this.
4: Wait here. I don't even really know what to explain. So for people telling me to drive, I can't drive. They have my bags. They won't give them back. So I.
2: Okay. If you remember, longtime listeners, when this whole pandemic started, we talked about Bosnia and uh, what was going on there. There were people who died, perished, because they didn't recognize that the paradigm had fundamentally changed. The old rules don't exist anymore that old system, that old way of life, it's gone. It's not coming back. And you have to adapt to the new reality if you want to survive. And I think this is a good example of that. Here is a person unwilling to leave, to get home. You know, he could have left two days ago and been home by You know, renting a car and driving home. He's got the money to do it apparently, but he wouldn't because, well, they won't give me back my bag. Okay, Ryan, leave your bag. Okay, you might lose it. You might not get it back, but is there anything in there that you just can't replace? A few changes of clothes and some shoes or that you can't do without for a couple of weeks until they hopefully get it back to you? this is what you realize. He's stuck in the old paradigm and I'm playing this for that reason because situations like this are going to continue to happen and be more and more impactful and disruptive and so forth.
4: I had Edmonton to Toronto yesterday. I landed around three. Mm-hmm. I then had Toronto to Boston at eight thirty. Mm-hmm. customs was about three hours, got through flight canceled from Toronto to Boston. All right. At this point, now car, I go and I see home. there is a 400 person line Hop with two car, Air Canada workers. Home. There's a million cancelled flights, everyone's just panicking. So I waited in that line about six hours. At near the end of the line, I've been home. By the way, you know how much my feet hurt? <laughs> Be it near the end of the line, they closed it. They just said, oh, you have to go somewhere else. We had to re enter Canada, we had to go through Canadian customs. So by the time I finally see someone from Air Canada, it's 1 a.m. I said, can I just get my bags? I had a ride to Buffalo all set up, and I had a JetBlue flight from Buffalo. I just need to get out of this country, (laughs) out of this airport. This is the worst airport on earth. I'm telling you, there's no other airport like this. So they say, no, 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 you can't have your bags. Your bags are already...
2: Abandon your fucking bags, folks. Seriously. Like, this is the mindset that you need to shift into for the world that we are going headlong into because these problems are going to continue to multiply. This is going to become the norm, not the exception.
4: Like in the middle of no man's land, you can't have your bag, so we have a 8.50 flight for you from Toronto to Boston for this morning. This is last, this is at 1 a.m. Okay, I be here at 5 a.m., they said. So I got here at 4.55. I wanted to be five minutes early. So I wanted to be three hours and 55 minutes early. I get here. This woman says, oh, we booked you actually on a flight from here to Montreal and then Montreal to Boston. But that leaves in 50 minutes and you can't make it. They never sent me an email. They just.
2: Yeah, that's the new normal. So, again, recognize that the old system gone, not coming back. gets worse from here. And be willing to make decisions like, well, shit, I hope I get my bag back, but F it, I'm gone. And I'll just hope for the best that these people eventually get this thing on a plane and back to me in a week or two. But instead, two or three days, whatever he spent in the airport, don't know, don't really care, but not really smart. You've got to think about these things. Okay, here's some data. I want to show you guys this. This is from the six month to five year old trial uh, to six months to under five robust immune response after two doses to reference strain with low immune responses to Omicron. Now you can see here, they've got the six month to two years, two to five years and 24 to 74. And there's two bars on this chart. Uh, The blue one is the response antibody response to the immune system response to the original Wuhan strain that hasn't been circulating for over a year. The little tiny pink sliver is what it's doing against Omicron, the the current strain. And you can see the difference in orders of magnitude here. It's in the first group, it's 275 versus 12. Two to five, it's 176 versus 14. In 24 to 74, it's 390 versus 15. They are pushing a product that doesn't even protect you against the current strain. There's absolutely no sense, no justification for what they're doing. The reason they can't update it is because they couldn't just tag on to the EUA. That's why they're doing this. It is strictly for them to ring the cash register, and if a few people die, oh well. That's why they're pharmaceutical cartels because that's what this data shows. This is what cartels do. There's some more on it. Here's another one. This was trial data. You can see this uh, blue is MISC multi, what was that? Uh, Multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. That's what the C stands for. And they showed this case, and they once again you can see the blue line there, and then you can see the dotted line, which is uh, versus COVID nineteen cases. So they're comparing these misc cases, which were caused by uh, COVID by the original strain. But guess what? Those that hasn't been happening for over a year, and they use that to say see, we've eliminated this, even though it was already eliminated before they started injecting these kids. So yet another lie. I mean, this whole thing is such a complete and utter sham. I hope you guys realize that. And of course, Microsoft Network, Bill Gates's news service, they posted a story about Uh, Severe COVID-19 is being rarely found in the unvaccinated. And then they, a few hours later, went ahead and deleted that story. Doesn't fit the narrative. Thank you for playing.
10: Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you you. you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you.
2: you. Okay. Let me see what else here. Where I want to go with this because I've got. Yeah. Okay. A couple more. Here's a. Uh. Young female, 21, dies suddenly. She's a footballer.
3: The narrative and the measures, for instance, the corona measures, because all narratives that lead to mass formation has to be associated with a certain action, certain behavior, concrete behavior. Well, the measures, the more the measures become absurd, the more they fulfill their function as a ritual. And the ritual is exactly a kind of behavior that is absurd from a pragmatic point of view, and that demands a sacrifice of the individual, a sacrifice through which the individual shows that its own individual interests are less important than the collective interest.
2: Exactly. Of course, here's Senator Kasten. He went in and he deleted tweets from his daughter, who was, I think, 17, found dead in her bed. She's vaccinated. That's what those tweets show. She's talking about getting vaccinated. And she's died suddenly, just like hundreds of other kids lately. And here he is covering up reality because... uh, you know, some just like Matthew said, some sacrifices have to be made for the greater good. It's Just insanity.
3: And by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your f your uh, uh, your CFO who up, um, dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. It's tough
8: stuff.
2: Some sacrifices have to be made, right? I mean. Just what it is. We talked about the disabilities right there. Three million people disabled. Not working. Drawing benefits. How many dead?
9: Walks onto a hard jab.
2: Okay, watch the boxer in the white shorts. He's the one standing up. He got into the ropes with the other guy. The other guy kind of fell through the ropes and now he's backing off. And the other guy who got hit is kinda of climbing up from from the ropes. And
10: then he turns.
2: And the ref's checking the gloves and gives and him the he clear the to, fight. Like he like he wants to fight. And, he and the fighter in the white shorts was walking towards the referee. The other guy's standing behind him.
10: He and he's punching the corner. No, this happened, Colin, almost twenty years ago,
3: at, between Leaf. He had clashed heads in that fight. He doesn't go. even know where he is. Having...
10: Yeah, but look what happens now. Look at his body reaction now. How he responds. He's looking. He turns, and he then backs up. all of a sudden, inexplicably, he turns and he chases the referee. He thinks the referee. Is the opponent look? The referee's still signaling, and he's throwing punches. And yes, a good call by the referee. The referee did the right thing, and he protected the fighter. Prions,
2: or prions in the brain.
10: This is,
0: ladies and gentlemen.
2: Of course, aggravating that by getting punched in the head and so forth. But it's everywhere, folks. It's everywhere. Here's, uh, we were talking about the airports there with the guy who wouldn't abandon his bag, 6,000 flights. It was, I think 6,600 U S flights canceled or delayed Friday after one of the worst summer air travels yet. Gee, what could possibly be going on here? Could it be the mandates and they fired a bunch of people? Could it be the disabled pilots? And now that demand is surging for summer. They can't do it. And now they've got staff and ground crew and everything else calling out sick because the vaccines are having their impact on these people. And it's disrupting business. This Again, we covered this when it happened in the UK two weeks ago. It's, it's going to become... Happening in Canada all last week. It's going to become worse and worse and worse over time. From the scene right now. This is the second time. Actually, you know what? I want to jump over here. Bear with me for one second. Uh, this is TobyRogers.Substack.com. Uh, he's got, now this is dated because this was from a couple of days ago on the 16th. But he was talking about, you know, the advisory committee makes their recommendation. It was unanimous, approve this thing. Let's get it into the arms of children so that we can soft kill them and become mass murderers. Um, So they rubber stamped it. Well, then it had to be approved by the CDC and the FDA, which is exactly what they did. And he points out that they already had the meetings set up and they were telling the press that, oh, we don't have the meetings set up. We don't know when those are going to be. But of course, The president's already saying the date that it's going to be available before the advisory board has even had a chance to look at it because the whole thing was a foregone conclusion, right? And so what he did is assembled a list of people to contact. Here's Rochelle Lewinsky's address, phone number, email address and Twitter account. Here's the secretary of uh, health and human services contact information here's the white house covid czars information here's the vice president of uh, vaccine clinical research at pfizer here's the medical officer of epidemiology task force at centers for disease control and prevention cdc and it goes on and on and on and on acip members that's the board the, the advisory board that i spoke to all of their contact information and details. And uh, down here, he's got where you can basically come in and just copy all of the addresses, drop those into an email and reach out and touch all of these people with your ideas. And they need to know that we know, they need to understand what we see, that we know what they're doing, that they're not going to get away with it because that's going to put that little bug in the back of their mind that has them second guessing themselves at pushing harder. And he recommends here, if you're going to send something to all of them, put it in the BCC, send it to yourself and then BCC these people so they don't know who's writing who. It's kind of what you want, right? And then reach out to these people. It could be a letter it could be a phone call with a written statement like I had. And I actually, we'll go back and talk about that. So the um, the meeting starts. I, I finally, I got the draft back from the mouse army. I spent a bunch of time kind of wordsmithing that and I had to cut 30 seconds out. And I was actually going to talk about uh, the stop codons and the read through risk. And because it shows that Pfizer and Moderna both knew that this was a risk and just didn't address it uh, or tried to address it but didn't obviously didn't study it and and disclose it but I had to cut something well the meeting starts and like my heart rate goes to 140 i, I think easily and i'm just sitting here in this chair <laughs> and i've done a lot of public speaking i've been on the megaphone in front of a couple thousand people at uh oh a pumpkin fest in Keene, New Hampshire, after a bunch of guys just got dragged off for by the cops for smoking weed. Uh, I have been a speaker at pork fest and, uh, you know, all, all different places. And I, when I'm doing something new, I still get nervous and you will too. And you have to recognize that. So what did I do? I closed my eyes, slowed down my breathing and what has worked for me over time is really focusing on my message, what I want to get across what I want to um, my call to action to the audience. And in that case, it was for them to hear this message and uh, see the world with new eyes kind of thing and recognize that they are surrounded by vaccine injuries when they might not have connected the dots because they were exposed to so much propaganda that told them, no, no, here's the reason. Right. And so, you will get nervous. It happens. And in my case, I, I, I probably got my heart rate down to 110 after the call started. And then it went back up a little bit when it was getting close to my turn. I had to slow it down. And y'all are probably going to laugh at this, but really, um, I had I had actually come back here to the studio. My phone connects Bluetooth to the, uh, the board over here. And so all I had to do was come in here and hello, my name is Sam Dotson. I run, press the space bar and it would launch uh, this guy right here, Audacity, and play it on the call as if I was speaking. So I didn't even have to speak (laughs) and my heart was still racing. And what was I doing? I muted the phone earlier. Is the phone unmuted? Okay, the phone's unmuted. What about over here? Is this is this level muted? Is it? Is the slider in the right spot? Yes, it is. Okay, did I unmute the phone? Yep, phone's unmuted and I'm just going crazy. What if it doesn't play? I had the the tablet set up to where if I had to read it manually, I could do that. But I mean, that, that kind of stuff happens. You're going to get nervous. You're, you're not going to be perfect. And there's times where I just acknowledge it, right? And I say, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Short of breath here. Let me catch my breath and we'll get started. If you need to use some of your time to do something like that, Do it. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. The next time you do it, it'll get easier. I can walk up into a group of eight cops and let them have it just like I did the advisory board and not be nervous at all because I've done that enough times. But yet when I try and do a bit at the beginning of the show and I have one take to get it perfect, I get so nervous at that still. So it's never something that you completely get away from. It's something that you embrace and focus on your message and step outside of your box outside of your comfort zone, because that's how we're going to bring this to an end. So there's a list right here of people that you can contact this article. It's you, you Tobian. Uh, this is T- Toby Rogers, TobyRogers.substack.com. will bring you to his website. He published this article June 16th. It's called breaking news. CDC launches sneak attack. The ACIP will meet tomorrow. And, and there's a little more to it, but that should bring it up in the search engine. And all of those contact details are listed down here at the bottom. And they're easy to cut and paste and use. Use them, folks. Use them. Another thing, uh, broken truth here. We watched some of his videos earlier. He's put together a campaign campaign To Take Back our Country from Narcissist Doctors begins my uh, explanation of the Enough campaign with a download link to full medical license board complaints against the CDC director, Rochelle Lewinsky, is below. So he has pre-filled out a complaint. You can use it as a template. You can add to it. Do whatever you like. And you can send one of these in. Do it. This is how we disrupt the mass formation and prevent this thing from getting really bad and change the course of humanity and get back to the individual being a sovereign over their own decisions. That's what government has increasingly taken away from us as they grow bigger and bigger and more powerful. So please consider this. Okay, one more thing here, uh, some good news for the vaccinated. We talked about this. This is Walter Chestnut, WMC Research. uh, And he found out that quercetin turns fibrils into protease-sensitive, structurally loose, and non-cytotoxic forms, right? So quercetin is one of the kind of supplements of note for related to COVID as well as curcumin. Uh, He calls these potentially powerful priloid therapeutics, meaning they're going to help break down these fibrils, these prions, and so forth. And in his article here, he's talking about quercetin, uh, systemic amyloidosis, and anchorless prion pathology or prion pathologies of the spike protein. Quercetin breaks apart the prion fibril formation. And I need, I still need to try and understand what's a prion versus a fibril and so forth. If somebody can help me with that with an article or video or something, I would love to watch it. Uh, one wonders if this could potentially prevent or remedy the fib- fibril uh, aggregates being found by the embalmers, the long white strings that are growing, right? Some highlights regarding quercetin and amyloids quercetin binding to uh, the prion protein, so it will bind with the, the spike. Quercetin accelerates uh, fibrillation of prion proteins. And he says, that's a good thing. That's something you want. Normally the the fibrils are doing the damage. Quercetin turns fibrils into protease sensitive, structurally loose, and non-cytotoxic forms, like preps them for being done away with. Quercetin treatment can uh, disaggregate MOPRP, mouse prion fibrils, and lead to the formation of a protonase-sensitive Amorphous aggregates quercetin also will uh, bound the fibrils and can reduce the membrane disruption of erythrocytes. i think quercetin is distinct from the typical function of amyloid amyloidogenic drugs that inhibit the formation of the fibrils well the fibrils are already there so a lot of these anti-amyloid drugs that they're putting people on aren't going to do anything because it just stops the fibrils from being created It doesn't deal with the ones that are already circulating in your system or collecting behind a blood clot as we're finding in a lot of the cadavers who die from this, okay? Curcumin, on the other hand, may be a powerful wingman to quercetin. Curcumin alone reduced prion fibril formation significantly. Curcumin effectively rescues the cells from the apoptosis and decreases the ROS level caused by subsequent co-infection with prion amyloid fibrils. I believe urgent clinical trials is William uh, clinical trials are needed to assess the efficacy of quercetin and curcumin as a prophylaxis and treatment of both acute in the and uh, treatment of both acute and long COVID. And then he's got his three studies that he kind of formed this opinion after reading. So an excellent article there. The short of it is if you are jabbed and you're not taking quercetin now like I get the life extension vitamins. They have that in their vitamin C because it also helps zinc get into the cells. So it's, it's benef- beneficial. So if you're buying good vitamins, you probably have that in there already. You might want to get it as a supplement to see if you can help sort of flush them, some of this stuff out of your system. Okay. All right. Let's talk about what's happening with the food systems and Strangely, uh, air travel.
6: In a week, something like this has happened. On April 14th, the plane crashed into the Gem State Processing in East Idaho. What's going on here? Well, the story gets weirder. Food processing plants all over the country seem to be catching fire. A couple of days ago, a fire destroyed the headquarters of Azure Standard, one of the largest organic food distributors in the country. At the end of last month, a fire severely damaged a fresh onion packing facility in South Texas. In Oregon, a potato chip processing plant to support a boiler explosion that sent workers to the hospital. Here's a news report on that.
8: Eastern Oregon, where crews are battling a major fire at a potato chip processing plant. Air 12 flew over the scene at Shearer's Foods on Highway 207 in Hermiston. We're told the fire was caused by an explosion of a portable boiler there. Two people were taken to the hospital.
6: So industrial accidents happen, of course, but this is a lot of industrial accidents at
2: food. I want to talk about that because. I've also seen like the picture of a big chicken house, right? And 250,000 chickens and oh, it's another major attack on a crucial U.S. food infrastructure. And it's, it's one freaking egg barn out of like eight on the farm, less than 10% of the capacity of that farm. And fires happen, right? Like we live in chicken territory. Those chicken houses are all around us you zoom out on the map where it was and there's like three more of that same size within a few miles. <laughs> okay. So there's, there is real stuff happening with these attacks on the food systems. There's also a lot of conspiracy theorists who want to turn a mountain, a molehill into a mountain because, Oh, that's good. And people will like their post and follow them because they're, Oh, this guy's find stuff. And really, it's just more misrepresentation, just like we showed with the WHO, the WF clip.
6: Processing facilities at the same time the president's warning us about food shortages. They're going to hit by planes and catching fire. What is going on here exactly? Jason Rance hosts a radio show in Seattle and joins us to put it into perspective. Jason, good to see you.
9: Good to see you. Yeah, obviously, when something happens every so often, you obviously hope that there's no significant damage and certainly no one gets hurt. But you kind of write it off. It's not that big of a deal. Accidents happen. But when you've got well over a dozen food processing plants and warehouses getting destroyed or seriously damaged over just the last few weeks at a time when the food supply is already vulnerable. It's obviously suspicious, and it could lead to serious food shortages. That's why some folks are now wondering, well, number one, what's going on? And you've got some people speculating that this might be an intentional way to disrupt the food supply. Wait, so may I ask you to pause there really
6: quick? Can I just ask you, I just want to nail this down so our, our viewers understand. There have been confirmed over a dozen disabling accidents at food plants in the last month, over a dozen.
9: Absolutely. And we're talking about some really significant plants. The Taylor Farms facility in Salinas, California was completely destroyed by a fire last week. We've had two major potato processing plants in Belfast, Maine and Warden, Washington that were completely gutted, which is happening at a time where we already have a potato shortage globally.
2: And another thing to consider here, because of these lockdowns because of these shutdowns there's guarantee you maintenance that should have gotten done that's not been getting done things that have been overlooked now they're short staffed because all the people are out that have been vaccinated a lot of them are out sick and unable to work and get their jobs done like normal so there's a lot of corners being cut and this is the kind of thing that happens in these facilities when you start doing that Okay, so that's contributing as well. Are we under attack? Um, Is this sabotage? Perhaps. I think some of them definitely are. Others, definitely not. And the Twitterverse, the inclination is to throw it all, it's definitely all intentional, right? And I I think that's just short-sighted
9: talking about the onion supply at that Rio Fresh. But it's not just produce plants. Last month, there was a fire that took out a Nestle uh, food plant out in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And that's impacting frozen food brands like Hot Pockets or Stouffer's, which maybe you might buy if you can't get fresh food from a warehouse that just exploded. And that Shearer's food facility you just mentioned in the open, I mean, that's the only West Coast facility that they operate. So there is some significant concern, of course, that this is going to impact the supply chain. Now, to be yep. clear, the timing is very suspicious. It's obviously concerning. Police are saying that these fires are due to faulty issues with equipment, so they're not saying that this was intentional. Either way, it's obviously gonna have some significant you know, implications in us getting our food.
6: Yeah, I mean, an hour ago, a plane crashes into a General Mills facility? We'd already planned this segment. It's I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. The onus is on people who think that's a conspiracy theory to explain what is going on. What are the odds of that? I have no idea. Jason Rance, I appreciate
2: So, anyway. Another thing that happened. A bunch of dead cows. 10,000 cows die in Kansas. They're on a feedlot. They're all black Angus. And they've got them lined up to go to the rendering plant, probably. And they had... I've seen two reports. I've seen 40 degrees Celsius, which is 120, but they're saying it was 105 that day, and all of these cows died. Now, I wanted more, and again, the conspiracy crowd immediately jumps to, well, oh, they've been poisoned. There's And here's uh, Jicky the mouse saying, this is not true and cannot be true. Note the abdominal dissension and posture of the cows. They're kind of bloated and sticking out. Um, black herds mean you can't see the anthrax bulbos. Cattle farmers know what's going on here. And here's Kevin McCarran, who I we re- referenced earlier, he says, I think we probably need to look no further than this. And he's got a link to this Kansas State uh National Bio Agro Defense $1. $1. 1.6, I think, billion dollar uh bio agriculture bio warfare lab that they're building for you know defensive purposes, to defend America's food supply, of course. <laughs> and so he's sort of inclined to think they've dropped some kind of bioweapon on them. Now, I watched a video from a rancher who's got, had some more details. They're doing autopsies on some of the cows. They're spread across multiple farms, so it's not like a mismanagement failure where they ran out of water and died, something like that. He's surprised that it happened this fast and that, uh, you know, the, the management of the of the herd should have seen the signs because they don't all happen instantly normally was what he was saying. Uh, and he's wondering, could it be uh, somebody poisoned them? Somebody dropped something on them? Who knows? You know, maybe there's a, um, oh, let me see if I can find it. I think it's, yeah, there was this one. Now, take it no idea who this is but this is circulating on the internet where someone's suggesting i was out checking my calf that night before and saw particles of something falling from the sky and a weird smell in the air i could hear the planes flying over my head my theory is the lab north of you is experimenting killing off the cattle also my cow seems to be producing less milk after that also now is this a real farmer I, I I don't know. Maybe it's it's not reliable evidence by any means in my opinion. Okay. Uh now I reached out to one of these groups. <clears throat> this is the one that Matthew brought me into. And Matthias talks about you have these or he's going to talk about i think these small groups that are sort of banding together and one of the important things is they allow people to disagree and have their own opinion and so forth so i reached out and i said hey did you guys see this what do you think about it and this was i got two comments from this lady now she works in ag knows what she's talking about is a scientist Uh, and she says, I'll ask my rancher ag expert friend about these. He told me the extreme heat change and lack of night cooling and this breed of cattle and the stage of their growth, almost ready to go to butcher was the actual reason for the deaths. This breed is not all that heat tolerant. Uh, they get very rich food from the last few weeks, which adds to the stress of their bodies they are trying to fatten them up for harvest or for slaughter. Uh, adds to the stress of their bodies trying to cool off and they are black, absorbing heat from the sun. The night before the death, the temps did not dip much at all. He also stated that the, that it is not something new. It happened in 2017 and a few, uh, other times before then, by the way, he is a wide awake person. I'll share and get his thoughts and here's what he came back with or she, I think. The temp change was extreme and fast and contributed. From what I understand, the temp humidity change came on very fast and over a weekend. Keep in mind those big feedlot ops are corporate ops. Management makes the call and management is at home on the weekends. Also in terms of how quickly it happened, weather had been mild. Mild weather means you can feed richer feed food uh, to those cattle and finish out sooner. If the cattle got that richer food for several days and the weather changed to extreme heat and humidity before those cattle had completely processed that rich food, at a minimum they would get sick, even if the feed got changed to less rich hay as the heat wave hit. Y'all know I was an ag science major, right? And this is the person posting that saying that. Anyways, I have watched most of the video Sam posted. The guy is really a good hypothesis. This is the rancher guy video that they're referencing like everything these days, it is possible that we will never actually know the truth. He kind of speculates. Was it a bioweapon? Was it a poisoning? Are they experimenting? Is it you know connected to this bio lab? Or will we figure it out and be the minority that is sidelined? We know the drill, right? So there you go. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I it's is it unusual? Yes. Is it unheard of? No. Could it be explained? Possibly. Could it be nefarious? Possibly. So, all right. That's the cows. Let's see. And there's the research facility. Let me go back to here. Oh, to here. (laughs) So, here's the Ukrainian battalion refusing to fight because of the dated weaponry lack of leadership and training it begs the question what are the 50 billion dollars being spent on right obviously not weapons for them because that's the entire military budget of russia i think is like 50 billion and they've sent that just in the last few months just from the the u.s dollar holders right where'd that money go joe
4: come on man we must remember. Yeah. It's hard sometimes to remember. I guess.
1: This
2: is, it's just a scam. They're robbing us blind and leaving you poor. Okay. Of course, what's happening? We're hurtling towards stagflation. That's from Zero Hedge. Target announces plans to cancel orders from suppliers and slash prices to clear out a am- uh, amassed inventory. <clears throat> Why? Because consumers aren't buying their stuff, particularly hardline goods like clothing and home goods. Uh, why have revenues at Target and other, or why have revenues at Target and other retailers plunged, even while retail sales numbers have remained strong? Well, in a nutshell, consumers are paying more and getting less. Everything's more expensive, so they're not buying clothes and home goods. You know, those extra things that you don't need. They're buying gas and food. Okay. And so what's happened, uh, we've seen this huge inventory buildup and I've talked to you guys through this process as it's a grind down. We, the tide comes in, leaves a bunch of crap on the beach. The tide goes out, get out there and pick the beach over. Right. And the first time that was the Hertz rental cars, when they had to liquidate their fleet because of the lockdowns and some people got BMWs 30, you know, with 4,000 miles, $30,000 under MSRP And the second time was when people lost their uh, slaughter appointments for, for their hogs and they let people come out and slaughter their own pig. You had to process it. You had to be willing to do some work and bring some coolers and ice and so forth. But there's several listeners in my audience who went out and bought freezers before they disappeared off the market and filled them up with meat from a local farmer. And they are so grateful that they did because that's what they've been eating. It has isolated them from all these price increases. Now, eventually they'll have to hit it, but that's why I'm reading this story so that you guys will know we're about to have another wave and it's going to be the liquidation of all this built up inventory. Now, some people think commodity prices are going to crash and, you know, I told you guys, you know, be in cash, physical cash that you have access to because, you know, they might do some kind of, um, capital controls on the banking system the banking system might go down credit cards don't work and you're trying to get gas and you don't have this you're not going to get gas simple as that um but i think there's going to be sort of a buying opportunity and i can see the case for it prices going back up after the inventory runs out because of the supply disruptions and so forth and uh, things being scarce and you know an abundance of this thing when the when the shipment shows up and then it's all gone and then you can't find it for a while and then another shipment comes in but much less regular than what we experience today is kind of the world that i see us going into uh, and i think if there are things along these lines that you want to buy it's about to be on sale in the next few months because it's it costs money for these stores to hold this excess inventory and they will just liquidate it American consumers are straining under rising prices to make ends meet. They are turning to credit cards and depleting savings. Consumer debt has risen to record levels while the savings rate has plunged to the lowest since 2008. uh, Whatever savings they managed to accumulate during the pandemic when the government stuffed their pockets with stimulus money is gone. Now they're maxing out their credit cards and what are they buying? The necessities, food, energy, shelter. No money left for discretionary spending. There's an $87 billion trade deficit right now. Uh, Decades of artificially low rates have incentivized speculation and consumption and disincentivized savings. The key to capital accumulation, that's something Peter Schiff talks a lot about and I think makes great points there. As a result, there's not been enough investment in plants and equipment to actually produce things. It's all speculation, right? Everybody wants to get rich quick, quick on crypto or whatever or that, you know, buy a house. It's a great investment, right? A little over a month ago, when mortgage rates were still only 5%, we shared several devastating antidotes from real estate agents and industry execs who validated our worst fears. U.S. housing was imploding fast. This week, when things have gone from worse to catastrophic because with 30-year mortgage rates soaring at the fastest pace on record to above 6% now on levels last seen just before the housing brought bust in uh, 2008 and you can see right there huge climb up right here what's happening to uh mortgage rates well they're up eight hundred dollars on average in the past six months to twenty five hundred if that's a third of your income that means you're making eighty thousand dollars a year to buy the average house you know how many people out there don't make eighty thousand dollars a year and are priced out of the housing market. It's the most unaffordable in history. You can see here it's plummeting. It's at 109, but it's about to break kind of the all-time lows if it continues, and I think that it will. New sales are plummeting back to uh, 2019 before the pandemic. And this is a really good one here. So kind of uh, down here under the red homebuyer sentiment, the H if you go straight up from that, That's where the whole housing collapse happened. And you can see if you go back, let me do it this way. Yeah, that's easier. If you go back over there, I can't get far enough over there, but to the next one over, you can see there's kind of this separation happening where the green sort of separates from the red. The green is the home builder sentiment. They're, hey, we got to make more houses, more houses. Everybody's buying houses. And the red is home buyers sentiment. Hey, can we afford this? Should we get a, a fifth mortgage? Zero <laughs> percent interest because the housing market's only going to go up. That started to turn. There was a gap there. And then they they ended up inverting and, you know, taking back off again because the government came in and started pumping money out again and letting the fraud continue. Well, look at the gap now. It is orders of magnitude higher between sentiment and, Uh, of home builders versus home buyers. And that means I think the correction is going to be massive. And of course, that's showing up right here, this uh, blue bar. So you've got the gray line, the, the teal blue line and the red line. That's 2020, 2021 and 2022. And this graph is showing us the percentage of listings that had a price drop. Okay, and it has been around the two percent. Kind of went up a couple of years back to three, four percent. Right now, it's climbed in the, just the last month from no last three months from about two and a half percent to to five point five percent, five point six percent. There's the mortgage payments again. Uh, home buyer demand is dropping. Because well, people can't afford it. It's down fourteen percent year over year. Pending sales under contract within one week is only thirty-five percent. So that's a measure of how hot is the market. You put it on your house sells right away, and it's the only question is how much over asking price is it going to go for? My brother's house that was one hundred and fifty grand. <laughs> Crazy. And here you can see. Um, home buyer competition. So these are uh properties that received how many offers did you receive? I think it was one of the measures let me see that faced competition. So it it peaked back in May of 2021 at 68.8% of the offers had competing bids for a house and now it's back down to 57%. And back in 2020 it was 30%, right? So the housing market is collapsing and you guys know, long time listeners will know this is what I've been talking about for. Oh, hang on. I think I just broke something. Oh, okay. Am I? Yeah, we're good. Sorry about that. Um, I've talked about, the housing market's going to collapse. Now, we thought crypto would be up by now. That didn't happen. And the plan was take all the crypto riches, buy property, and then, you know, ride the cycle, right? It's happening. I think the crypto boom is coming for XRP eventually uh, as we go through this process. But here's the housing market collapsing. And I think there's going to be so much demand destruction that we're going to see prices come down. And this is where, being in dollars right now having physical on hand in case of disruption having silver because that's part of the that's sort of the midterm solution in my mind anyway is very important that's physical silver in your possession and then having crypto for the long term and that silver i think it could go down i mean i watched a, a show with um with Joe and Woo Woo Dude and uh, Jean-Pierre, and they were talking about single-digit silver is what some of their psychics and spirit guides and stuff were telling them. But that's on paper. That's in SLV. That's to clear out their debt and get away with what they've done. I don't think physical is going to be available at single-digit prices, right? And if you try and sell out to get back in, you may not be able to get back in. Something to think about, okay? Okay. Uh, so anyway, those are still my three things. And again, if you've been kind of sitting on some cash, your everything's about to be on sale. Of course, when we transition, transition to silver, I think it's going to be going to be because of this right here. This is looking at the inflation rate. This is shadow stats. I mentioned them quite often and you can see the blue line is the 1980 methodology before they changed it the red line is the new one that's showing you know 6.8% inflation and Brittany is uh, saying here food is up 15% gas is up 30% rents up 50% how is our inflation 6.5% <laughs> and somebody's responding pointing out here's the real inflation rate and right now measured as per 1980 we're at like 17 18 percent or yeah 17 18 percent somewhere right in there hyperinflation starts at 14 percent, so it's been flirted with during the financial reset and back in 1980 and i think we'll see the dollar inflate hyperinflate because it's losing demand as bricks and russia and china You know, this whole thing with the war with Ukraine, the reason they tried to sell this and make it so important, they were trying to get Russia under control and uh, it's backfired. Russia has gone out and made deals with China. They've made deals with India. They've cut off Europe. Europe's screwed. That's why prices are going up for them. And Russia's doing just fine. And it's because of all of these manipulations and controls and things happening to the dollar. You remember two, three years ago when we were playing Putin's speeches about, I love our allies, the Americans, but they have so many unfunded liabilities and their spending is not under control. And we've got to get out from under the dollar. Well, guess what? They've been acting on that. A lot of other countries have, they want to get out from under this system of control because it's, it's operating at their expense, not to their benefit. So this is where I could see things getting more expensive after they crash. We'll we'll see. It may not play out that way. All right. Let's go. Um, let's go back to here.
0: What's important is bodily autonomy. The same right men have always had. We just want equal rights. The right to govern our own bodies.
2: Oh, this sounds great, right? This is a man on the street interview at this march for abortion in Washington D.C., and he's asking people, "Do you support, uh, you know, bodily autonomy? Your right to choose what goes in your body?"
11: Just like men have always had. It's that simple. Do you support the right for people to not get the COVID vaccine?
0: It's irrelevant. Uh-
11: <laughs> right, my body, my choice. <laughs>
0: It's not irrelevant. Yeah, but one saves lives. Right. It's One's not irrelevant. One of them is going to be in a pandemic state, right? A state of emergency, which we all know laws change during a state of emergency. Do you
2: agree? So, I mean, I guess if abortions aren't done in a state of emergency, then, or if it's an emergency, then the abortions should be fine too. Forced abortions.
11: with this, the statement or the, the principle of my.
2: Watch these people because they're running headlong into conflict in their belief system. And that's why they're struggling. They pop off with the answer before they think and recognize the implications of that conflict that they've
11: created. My body, my choice.
0: Yes, absolutely. Bodily autonomy is a human right. Healthcare is a human right. Yeah. Um, access to healthcare should be, not be something that is dictated by the Supreme Court.
11: During the pandemic, did you support people's right to not get the COVID vaccine?
2: Oh, oh, wait, no.
0: It's a difficult conversation.
11: Do you support body, bodily autonomy in other situations? For example, the COVID vaccine Using mandates.
8: The, the vaccine mandates, we've been mandated to get vaccines for years and years and years. So, oh. you
11: do support in that situation people not having control of their bodies?
8: That's not, that's not having not control of your body. Oh, really?
11: Like, I
10: don't understand.
11: Do <sighs> you think it is important for people to have medical and health control of their own body? Uh, yeah, it's good for them, it's good for everybody. You didn't support the mandates? I did. I do support you the know. mandates, yeah. Isn't that mandate that people have to get the vaccine so they don't have control over their own body? Uh, vaccinations are good for people. But in that case you don't have control, right, if there's a mandate? No, they don't have to get it. They just, uh... You just can't go anywhere or do anything, right? Get a job. Have a job. You don't have a right to a job. Everybody should have
8: a right <sighs> to do what they want with their bodies.
11: <laughs> Do you support the pe- people's right to choose not to get the COVID vaccine?
8: Um,
0: I'm not doing that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that conflict of interest. People aren't thinking, and I want to give you another example of something that happened here in Dallas, in the uh, gay part of town, Cedar Springs. They put on a drag show for kids and a bunch of people came out to attack this event and antagonize the people who showed up
9: i only have one question why do you want to put an axe wound in between your son's legs
2: this is john doyle total douchebag chewing his gum got all of his buddies he's in his sunglasses and they're in their maga hats and everything else Walking up to parents with kids saying, why do you want to put an ax wound in your between your son's legs?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the, the point. point. That's that's the good good point. point.
2: They're saying, there's kids here. And then the group think engages, and that's the point. We're saving the kids. We're here to, this is for the betterment of society, right?
12: Please open the door. I need to go. Yeah. You're
1: not making America. Do, I, are are I, do, do, yes, am I, we
9: are. What do you mean? You're making America worse. You're bring no, your children no. you to, to this event. You need to go now. You are literally somewhat better we we'll will yeah. pray, for all of we'll pray for you,
4: middle.
9: Please do. We'll pray
11: for you. You must repent.
4: Bless you, ma'am, please. What a douche. You're an appointment. I'm an appointment. Yes, <laughs> says the man's rest of the
9: press. I wonder if the mama bear instinct is going to come out in three years when the mainstream Democrat party platform and they want to rape your kids, and they're all going to think it's one big smug little joke. These people, by the way,
2: understand. This is called a macho flash when you you know say these really inflammatory things to sort of invoke an angry response from people. That there is-
9: Difference between ten years ago and now than there would be between now and in five years when they are openly advocating for
4: pedophilia
9: like they've already started doing. You people are the symptom of a dying society, and you know it.
4: You're scaring children. Shut the We're fuck scaring
9: up. Children. Shut, the fuck but not you. shut the fuck up. Jeez. You are child abusers. Shut and you're not a real woman.
2: Calling these people child abusers? Okay. Let's make some distinctions here, shall we? Number one, first off, I don't have a problem with this. I've watched the video. We're going to see what went on inside. I wouldn't be like, hey, Jezza, I want to take you to this drag show Saturday. Let's go. But if she asked if she found out about it somehow and wanted me to take her, she's seven. I wouldn't have a problem taking her to, the, to this event. Does that make me a child abuser? A groomer. I have seen some school field trips, some of these library things where they have someone come in and there was a guy who exposed himself to a bunch of kids. I have a huge problem with that. I have a huge problem with this being a school function. This one's not, but other ones have been. And I have a problem with those. Why? Because everyone's forced to pay for it. Okay. Okay. Nobody was forced to pay for this. It was a private event at a private bar organized for kids. It's not like it's happening on a Saturday night with a bunch of drunk people around and kids there. It's parents with their kids. And these people are calling them child abusers for wanting to take them to a drag show. Now I've been to uh, one of these, there was this huge station something club down there. I had a friend that loved to drag us out to the gay bars for you know, occasionally. And they had this rose room up in the upstairs in the back corner where the drag Queens would come out. It's kind of a small room with little chairs and tables around and they would sing and dance or whatever. Had a great time. We went from there to, I think it was Sue Ellen's, the lesbian bar. We were the only guys in there. And I saw my high school science teacher, which explained a lot. And then we went to another club that was like a dance club that was uh, all, it was guys and girls, but um, we were probably the only straight ones in there. And at the end of the night, there's two gorgeous blondes standing by the door, looking me up and down. And that is a story for another time. (laughs) But so, you know, like I've checked this out. And a lot of these guys would sit there and call themselves Christians. And here they are attacking the people they're trying to reach with their message of love and compassion, obviously, by calling them child abusers and molesters. Jesus was sitting with the prostitutes, with the thieves, with the beggars, talking to them, not attacking and antagonizing them. Of course, I don't think... Let's finish this.
1: Shame on you. Shame
6: on you. Shame on you. Shame Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Your
4: Your children should be home. Your kids aren't actually gay. You've just groomed them.
2: Oh, okay. So if I take my daughter to one of these events, you get to tell me how I raise my daughter? Do I get to tell you how you raise your daughter? Is that how this works? John, guy's a complete douchebag. Of course, this is probably fine, right?
5: Little girls of all ages take part. It's estimated that quarter of a million children compete in more than 5,000 pageants in the United States each year. This one's organizer insists appearance isn't everything. But critics argue this simply isn't healthy for young girls.
2: But, I, I mean, that's fine that's fine
3: but it depends on the stage of the process of mass formation but uh very often it's only five percent or something okay Uh, but that's enough that's that's enough that's enough if if these people succeed in forming a group a group that is not a mass that's extremely important because that's, that's the entire challenge that this small group is also experiencing a lot of anxiety a lot of frustration a lot of aggression it feels threatened and it might become a mass itself. And in that case, there is a a strong polarization, polarization in society, and the small group usually is destroyed in the end, just because you have two groups, two masses, uh, uh, functioning according to the same destructive principles. And usually the small group is destroyed. And after the small group is destroyed, the masses will start to destroy themselves.
2: And that is what these guys are doing. That is what I've been seeing in the past few weeks on this whole trans issue. And I have a problem with some of the things I've seen, especially the ones involving school children's and school activities. This was not one of those things, right? What else were they doing outside? The sheriffs in Texas, something, something, should put bullets in all their heads. He's sitting there telling the cops they should be executing these people. This is mass formation. This is exactly what Desmond is describing. This is what should not be allowed or tolerated. This is exactly the same tactic being used to push the vaccines, being used against these other people. And let's look at what went on inside. Now, the thing that I find most offensive about this first clip is that these two parents have their infants in there and I don't see any ear protection. The music's loud and you got to protect the ears of the infants. Outside of that, there's a woman in, uh, well, a man in a, a tight-fitting outfit, <laughs> high heel boots and like, uh, I guess, fishnet or something leggings dancing around. And, of course, there's a sign on the wall. It's not going to lick itself. They're like, they hung this sign. No, I'm pretty sure it's a gay bar. They had the sign up there. Maybe they should have turned it off. I don't know. Covered it up. Whatever. It was there. It was on. This was their the, these parents' decision to take their kids there. And it doesn't make them groomers or pedophiles because they did that. Now, the other comment is, oh, they're strippers. They're giving tips, for taking dollars from kids, okay? Now, are they strippers? Well, here, look, let's watch it happen. There's a lady singing in an, a, man singing in a dress, nice dress, singing to a little kid sitting on the stool. And there's a kid holding out a dollar and they, the guy takes the dollar without ever even touching the kids. Does that a couple of times. Yeah, no stripping going on here. And this is Carrie Cassidy, I think, that gets kicked out there. Not strippers. I didn't see anyone taking clothes off in front of these kids, but that's what they were accused of and compared to. It's simply not true. You give a dollar to a stripper and you get boobies in your face, which is kind of nice. And you like tuck it in the G string. Usually that's not happening here. They're taking it from their hand. Why do they have to demonize these people? It's because they're creating their own mass formation against them, right? Because, well, these are men in dresses and they're playing loud music and uh, taking money and, uh, you know, teaching kids before they're too old to know better for themselves. But here, it's fine when the Catholic Church does it. Of course, here's the most provocative one Guy. Does the splits. And is kind of dancing, doing some, like, looks like drill team moves. Again, not taking clothes off, not doing anything out, you know, outlandish. And these guys are like, you're a pedophile. How dare you? These are men. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, here's some... Here's some girls that are not even teenagers, competing in cheer. What are they doing? They're rolling around on the mat, doing sexually suggestive positions, shaking their coochie to the audience, spreading their legs, and flashing their, you know what? But this is fine. I guess if there was, you know, a man dressed in a cheerleading outfit, then everybody would be child abusers or whatever these guys said. Of course, here's what happened in the parking lot afterwards.
9: For little children, Do you like dancing for little children? You don't think that's disgusting?
2: This is Alex Stein, and I think his behavior here is absolutely reprehensible, and I hope he gets fucking sued for what he does here.
9: Dancing around for get little children. Away from me. Don't get you think that's disgusting? Me. I need you to hey, get, get the fuck away. Think, hey, well you can't just touch me. You don't Your think mom's that's a disgusting? Your mom's not think Go on. You don't think right, that's here, disgusting? Dancing for little children. You should, be, you, you should be ashamed of yourself that's dancing for little children. You should be ashamed Dude, of yourself. I fuck him.
2: A child Listen of to this. You, oh, got, you guys
9: dance little that's children. That's you should be ashamed of yourselves. You're that's disgusting. That's Think about what you just on, did. Okay, that's fine. But you dance naked in front of little children.
2: Nobody dance naked in front of little children, Alex. I hope that you get your fucking ass sued for what you just did there. That is an absolute misrepresentation. And you are attacking and antagonizing these people. It is very anti-Christian, the way you're acting. And it's frankly disgusting. And I hope that there are consequences for you. This was a complete douchebag move. Where's the... Oh, damn, I don't have that one set up here. Let's go here. And
3: that's all I had to say about that.
2: <laughs> All right.
3: Yes, we should not form a mass. Um, we should form a group, uh, a, a, a healthy group of people, and which means that a group that is formed because people connect to each other, people develop strong connections with each other in several ways. It can be realized in several ways, but uh, and also one major uh, difference.
2: Now, the good news—that's absolutely happening. Like I'm plugged into, there's the mouse army on Twitter that I can go and ask questions to and so forth. They mostly tolerate me. There's this other group on Telegram that I'm plugged into, and they're respecting differences of opinion. What we're doing is moving away further and further away from the individual having rights to the collective having rights. And by the way, the government's going to define what the collective wants for everyone because it's in the best interest of us all, of course, if they get to decide what's best for you.
3: Between a mass and a fruitful group, a humane group, is that uh, this last group uh, acknowledges and accepts that everybody has his own opinion. So in the small group that doesn't go along with the mass, uh, we should avoid to impose one opinion to everyone everyone should be capable of 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 looking at things in his own way of having his own opinion everybody should speak in his own way and that will be very effective in the end
2: which is exactly what i've just done on this topic and obviously that's all i had to say about that (laughs) turn that off and some of you guys in the comments it's sketchy they were talking all right those parents are sickos Bars and nightclubs with adult sex performers is not a place for children, even if it's toned down. Well, maybe not for you and your kids, but these parents decided otherwise. And you know what? They get to raise their kids the way they want to. Are you saying you should get to dictate how they raise their kids? Are you going to let other people dictate how you raise your kids? Because that's what you're advocating. Think liberty means you allow people to make decisions that you disagree with even decisions that you think are a bad idea
3: that told me very effective that's so important yeah
2: meanwhile they've been sending out joe to this whole message of he's fit and healthy and in charge. And he ran across the white lawn or the, the lawn, the South lawn, whatever it was to get on Marine one and go fly to this place. And then he went on a bike ride and you can see they've strapped his feet to the pedals. So when he stops, yep, he can't get his foot out and down he goes. <laughs> so what was meant to portray the idea that Biden's strong and fit and healthy turns into elder abuse, basically. And the this is just so perfect, such a perfect analogy for what is happening to the country, right? Here's Powell.
8: So the international financial and monetary system that emerged after World War II has been defined by the centrality of the dollar. It's the world's reserve currency and the most widely used for payments and investments.
2: So this is like a comedian getting up on stage and telling you, listen guys, I'm very funny, so you're gonna laugh at all my jokes, they're gonna be great, rather than just you know, telling you jokes and making you laugh. If you're the king, you don't need to tell everybody that you're the king, but yet, here he is. That's exactly what this whole speech is.
8: As outlined in recent work by Federal Reserve Board staff, this global preeminence has been supported by the depth and liquidity of U.S. financial markets, the size and strength of the U.S. economy, its stability and openness to trade and capital flows and international trust in U.S. institutions and the rule of law.
2: International institutions and the rule of law. We are the big kid on the block, and don't you forget it.
8: The dollar's international role holds multiple benefits. For the United States, it lowers transaction fees and borrowing costs for U.S. households, businesses, and the government. Mm
2: -hmm. It's good to be king, right? we get all the benefits of being the global reserve currency because there's all that utility outside of the U S that these other countries don't have.
8: It's ubiquity helps contain uncertainty and relatedly the cost of hedging for domestic households and businesses for foreign economies. The wide use of the dollar allows borrowers to have access to a broad pool of lenders and investors.
2: Of course, what's crypto about to do when it comes in, it's going to tokenize everything. <clears throat> get rid of all of these gatekeepers and barriers to entry. And if you want to invest in a bridge project in uh, you know Taiwan or something or North Korea one day, you'll be able to do that. to say it's a toll bridge or something and you get paid back later. Those kind of opportunities will be available because they will be on a decentralized, trustless, immutable blockchain. Today it's all constrained by the dollar and the primary reason they're using dollars is because of that uh, stability that comes about from all of the utility that the dollar has around the world. This is what Hex doesn't have and is trying to just gloss over, right?
8: And that reduces their funding and transaction costs. The Fed's strong commitment to our price stability mandate contributes to the widespread confidence in the dollar as a store of value. And to that end, my colleagues and I are acutely focused on returning inflation to our 2% objective.
2: The dollar's strong. That's why inflation's so high, and we're going to fix it back to 2%. Do you see the conflicting statements he's making here?
8: Meeting our dual mandate also depends on maintaining financial stability. Our commitment to both the dual mandate...
2: Which means we're losing stability. Like, everything he's saying is what's happening... And he's just trying to reinforce the belief system. He references paper after paper after paper written by their academics. And this is, you know, if you remember the uh, Elgato Mallow article we read about the experts so-called being destroyed by these self-organizing collectives that are multidisciplinary that just destroy them. This is what they're doing. They're going in and using their experts to reinforce popular opinion that oh the dollar's it and that you don't even need to look for alternatives cuz we got this.
8: aid and financial stability encourages the international community to hold and use dollars.
2: But what's happening? Russia, China, India, BRICS, Brazil, South Africa, they're getting out from under the dollar. And what's happening as a result? everything that he just talked about that makes it strong and stable eroding away it's eroding away and here they're trying to put out the narrative that no nope, everything's fine we're strong and powerful and it's all going to be good and it will be for some time until it's not
8: the wide use of the dollar globally can also pose financial stability challenges that can materially affect households businesses and markets For that reason, the Fed has played a key role in promoting financial stability and supporting the use of dollars internationally through our liquidity facilities. The central bank liquidity swap lines provide foreign central banks with the capacity to deliver U.S. dollar funding to institutions in their jurisdictions.
2: This is how they've been keeping the inflation at bay, but I think all the demand destruction is going to reduce that. At the same time, though, it, it gets really complex here because There's going to be demand for dollars because of the uncertainty and so forth, as long as it's still the global reserve currency. At some point, though, it's going to lose that status. And I think it's where crypto comes in. Uh, That's where they're going to try and roll out their CBDC to further, you know, give themselves more power and control over transactions and controls and taxes and everything else.
8: And the Foreign and International Monetary Authorities, or FEMA, repo facility allows approved account holders the option to temporarily exchange their U.S. Treasury securities held by the Fed for U.S. dollars.
2: So, again, what are they doing with the repo? Well, those are the reserve requirements for the overnight window that have ballooned into the trillions of dollars, I believe, that they are borrowing to cover bad bets or they're gambling basically with client money and if they lose well don't worry taxpayers will just bail them out they'll just print the money to bail them out just like they did in 2008 that's happening again
8: these facilities serve as liquidity backstops so that holders of dollar assets and participants in dollar funding markets can be confident that strains will be eased when these markets come under stress that assurance in turn mitigates the effect of such strains on the flow of credit to U.S. households and businesses. Both facilities enhance the standing of the dollar as the dominant global currency. The, the swap lines one. were extensively used during the global financial crisis, the 2011 euro area debt crisis, and the financial turmoil at the outset of the COVID 19 pandemic in 2020.
2: Now, what did he do there? He just lied. Those swaps were going crazy before the pandemic. and We did shows on that. Before anything broke out, their repo facilities started breaking. And then all hell breaks loose with the virus, supposedly the pandemic.
8: Rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar in the future. Most major economies already have or are in the process of developing instant 24-7 payments.
2: And that's been going on for a long time. That's the faster payment systems. We covered those in my XRP days. They've been rolling those out and uh, the infrastructure is there. And what he's doing is positioning, trying to position in people's minds with these papers and his authoritative statements that, well, the dollar is going to obviously keep the role it's always had not going to be replaced by anything. Well, I don't think so.
8: Our own FedNow service will be coming online in 2023. And in light of the tremendous growth in crypto assets and stable coins, we are examining whether a U.S. central bank digital currency would improve upon what is an already safe and efficient domestic payment system.
2: I mean, <clears throat> why would you want decentralized, trustless, permissionless, immutable money? When you could have a central bank or, or federal government controlled account that they give you access to and monitor your transactions and your balances and tax you and penalize you whenever they deem it necessary. Who wouldn't want that over crypto? I don't know.
8: Our, as our white paper on this topic notes, a U.S. CBDC could also potentially help maintain the dollar's international standing. Uh-huh.
2: Not in a way that's going to help you in a way that's going to help them.
8: To summarize, I'd like to stress the importance of the dollar to the U.S. and global economies and the financial system, financial markets. It's critical that we understand the channels, connections, and effects of the role of the dollar.
2: There you go. The dollar is dying, folks. And him coming out and saying it's not and everything's trying. yeah, no. It's exactly the opposite of what he's saying there folks. Now this is, I'm not sure where this is from, but it says some interesting things about Ukraine and kind of the narrative dying. And I want you guys, I'm going to translate it here, turn it down and play it. And he says, I'm now this, there's four newscasters sitting at a desk. One of them's primarily talking and early on in the clip, he's like doing this in his chair, moving all around. He's very uncomfortable bringing this broaching this subject And he's saying, I'm afraid we are now faced with a situation where we have to face an uncomfortable truth. Mm -hmm.
7: And that is that Russia has
2: won this war. Now, our chancellor is working with this language template, Russia must not win this war, Ukraine must win. I'm just wondering where this is heading politically because in fact Russia has practically conquered Don and
7: it's just a matter of a few days the area
2: gains are huge and they're about as big as Holland and Belgium put together the land connection to Crimea is there Um, that means how is Russia supposed to lose this war now Ukraine does not have the strength even with the weapons we can still deliver of course They delivered a bunch and then Russia hit it with the warehouse with a missile strike and blew them all up. That was your money going up in literal smoke and fire and flames. And Russia is also winning the international game. The Chinese have just jumped uh, jumped on China or Russia. The Indians are doing business like never before with Russia. Important emerging countries like Brazil and South Africa. This is BRICS that he's describing. And the federal chancellor has has a trip to South Africa. He was embarrassed on the open stage. They don't want sanctions. They don't want to even talk about a war of aggression. That means we have also lost the international struggle for the majority, and I'm afraid we have to admit that. And because I assume that Marcoons, I guess this is a friend, initiative that uh, we cannot win this war we have to end it as quickly as possible and that is also of great value to that start a diplomatic initiative that's what i actually expect from our federal government precisely because it was so reluctant to keep the channels to moscow open berlin actually has to present a peace plan and i hope that the trip to kiev will result in him doing so so there you go The narrative is dying. They're losing control. Things are about to get really messy, folks. Of course, what's happening on the other side of this coin? This is a documentary by this guy right here, Roger James Hamilton. I'm actually just going to play it all because it is freaking excellent. Um, And let's do that.
12: What if I told you there is a robot that controls more wealth than any country on earth? A robot so powerful that in the last 10 years it has quietly created the biggest company in the world. This is the st-
2: Now, Westworld season 3 spoiler alerts a little bit here. Not too bad, but of course they have this big computer that's the AI and what did they do? They used it to manipulate the markets and make themselves the richest men on earth. And then they started using that to control the governments and manipulate society.
12: Story of a robot called Aladdin. It's Wall Street's best kept secret and it's gobbling up every asset class across every industry. Aladdin now controls $21 trillion of our global economy. To put that in perspective, that's more than the $20 trillion GDP of the US or the $15 trillion GDP of the entire European Union. The new statesman wrote, The total physical cash of all 7 billion people and every company, bank vault, wallet, and piggy bank in the world is around $5 trillion. Aladdin has grown into a system responsible for more than four times the value of all the money in the world. This one robot directs the actions of the US Federal Reserve, almost every major bank and investment fund on Wall Street and over 17,000 traders. It controls half of all ETFs, 17% of the bond market, 10% of the global stock market and carries out a quarter of a million trades every day and billions of forecasts every week. Year after year, it hoovers up trillions of data points on every market, every company, every asset and now even each of us. What we buy, sell and say so that it knows what to buy and what to sell far better than any human being. Every major bank, company, and investment fund has come to rely on Aladdin and its all-powerful AI and algorithms to beat the market. And if they didn't, they've collapsed and failed in Aladdin's wake. And you know what the craziest part of this story is? This robot is just getting started. So where did Aladdin come from, and how did it get so powerful? Aladdin is the brainchild of Larry Fink, the founder of BlackRock, and its total dominance has made his company the biggest shadow bank in the world and the most powerful... Of
2: course, what is he pushing now? The whole climate change, oh, you've got to be net zero, or you've got to do, you know, jump through our hoops since we're investors in your company. And how are they getting big? Well, he doesn't really go into it here, but I want you to consider they are able to use their scale to access the government and manipulate it to their benefit, tilt the table in their favor, get access to nearly free money from the Fed. Because they know how to game the system and use it to their advantage to grow their power, their little fiefdom. And this is just going to keep going and going and going until you own nothing and
12: be happy. Powerful company on earth. The story you're about to hear is equally unbelievable and terrifying. In fact, you would think it was science fiction if it wasn't very real and happening today. This story starts in the 1980s when Larry Fink was making millions pioneering mortgage backed securities at Wall Street Bank First Boston. That's right, the same.
2: So basically, engaging in mortgage fraud to line his pockets
12: mortgage-backed securities that caused a 2008 global financial crisis 20 years later. But back in the 80s, he was in an epic Wall Street rivalry with Louis Ranieri at Salomon Brothers, made famous as a big swinging dick in Michael Lewis's book, Lies Poker. Back then, Larry was making millions for the bank and was on track to be first bottom CEO. And then in 1986, an error in the back office computer models led to Larry making the wrong trades and he lost the company $100 million. The result was Larry leaving the bank as a failure with a stupid computer to blame. With that experience, Larry had just one ambition, to build a super smart robot that could pick out risk and opportunity in the market and do it better than any computer or human could do. In 1988, he launched a new startup, BlackRock, with a tiny coding team to give birth to this robot. Its name, Aladdin, which stands for Asset, Liability, and Debt Derivative Investment Network. In its first 10 years, Aladdin was fed information about every asset, price movement, and risk variable in the global bond market, Larry's specialty. And in 1999, when Aladdin turned 11, Aladdin was getting so intelligent at picking losers and winners that Larry began selling access to his data to other Wall Street firms. That same year, he took BlackRock public on the new...
2: Able to get that money in and then use it to go public
12: stock exchange. Straight after the IPO, the dot-com bust burst, pushing a wall of money from the stock market to bonds, which Aladdin had become the undisputed world champion in. Within years, BlackRock had become a trillion-dollar company, and as money started shifting back to shares, what did Larry do? He bought the asset management arm of Merrill Lynch, which was focused to shares. So the gift for Aladdin's 18th birthday, all the data points for the entire stock market, and suddenly Aladdin had a new playground, analyzing every stock trade and risk factor for every company on the stock market. As a result, today BlackRock, together with his two closest rivals, Vanguard and State Street, both of which also rely on a mountain of knowledge, have become the biggest shareholders of over 40% of all public listed companies in America.
2: These monopoly on violence systems will continue to centralize and consolidate power, money, control until they have it all.
12: The global financial crisis hits, and before Aladdin turns 21 years old, is called on by every Wall Street bank and Timothy Geithner, the head of the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury. As soon as Lehman Brothers collapsed and the Wall Street meltdown began, the U.S. government came calling to save the next collapsing bank, Bear Stearns. It was Aladdin who decided which assets to keep and which to leave in the 30 billion dollar rescue package. And few people know it was a robot that saved America from disaster. Without-
2: I knew about that. That they went to BlackRock to tell them. You know who should get what and like they got to decide and it benefited them. It's amazing uh, but I did not know that it was Aladdin the AI that did that
12: At first success, the Fed US government and now even European and Japanese central banks began relying on Aladdin to make the cause on where the 2.5 trillion dollars of new money they printed should go the majority of it bonds and funding to prop up the mortgage companies and banks. But wait, aren't these exactly the assets that Aladdin and BlackRock already were invested in? Exactly. But growing protests of conflict of interest were drowned out by the noise of the printing presses printing more money, as the assets controlled by Aladdin rapidly grew to $11 trillion by 2013. In the last decade, Aladdin has gone from the leader to the dominator of all financial markets. With BlackRock's Barclays acquisition, it got iShares, Barclays Exchange Traded Funds Units, or ETFs. And with that, Aladdin moved from dominator of bonds and equities to dominator of ETFs, Just as as all the biggest investors shifted from mutual funds to ETFs. And that's when, in 2017, everything changed. On Aladdin's 29th birthday, Larry launched a top-secret project at BlackRock, codenamed Monarch. It led to the firing of his fund managers and replacing their funds with Aladdin's funds. The robot was now eliminating humans from the equation altogether. And as a result, today, over 70% of all trades on U.S. stock markets are decided by robots, with Aladdin leading the way. These trades are completed from beginning to end without a human involved in high-frequency trading far faster than a human can execute. Now, if-
2: And they are <clears throat> they are using that to manipulate the stock market and that they've set up laser systems to gain that extra hundredth, millionth of a second to beat out everybody else. These, these are, you know, Salente calls them rigged casinos. He's absolutely right. They have tilted the table in their favor and they're the ones winning their game, not you.
12: This was just a story about a robot taking over the job of Wall Street traders. You might not be so concerned, unless you're one of those traders. But in the last three years, as Aladdin hit $20 trillion in assets, incredibly, it has begun to consume and control at an even faster rate. First, in 2020, as Aladdin turned 32 years old, the US government and Federal Reserve again came calling as the pandemic hit. Aladdin was again the one to guide the nation in what was now $4 trillion of newly printed money. Where did the money go this time? Inexplicably, for the first time, the Fed began buying ETFs in 2020. Well, that's a little strange.
2: Now, are they going to BlackRock because the AI has all the the best answers or because they're compromised and they don't have a choice because they're leveraged or blackmailed? I mean, that's that's what Westworld was all about, right?
12: And again, the cries of conflict of interest were drowned out by the money printing. And then Aladdin revealed its endgame. Recently, BlackRock acquired eFront, which collects data on the things that you and I own, including private equity and real estate. And since then, Aladdin has consumed eFront's data on the entire global real estate market. And yep, you guess what happened next? Over the last two years, BlackRock and other funds using Aladdin's data have begun buying up single-family homes where they can afford to outbid the rest of us as they have unlimited financing at hyper-low interest rates. The result is home prices rising by 20% over the last two years and pushing now even big players like Zillow out of the market. And here we see Aladdin's endgame to be the one hyper intelligent AI robot that not just controls Wall Street assets but all assets public and private. Now I'm not into conspiracy theories but even a skeptic with eyes wide open can see the signs. We're already at a point where no one can compete without Aladdin. As CEOs and asset managers like Anthony Malloy are now saying, Aladdin is like oxygen. Without it, we wouldn't be able to function. And what about government regulation? Well, Joe Biden has appointed BlackRock executive Brian Deese as head of the National Economic Council, which basically means the oversight of Laden and BlackRock is now the responsibility of BlackRock. And Biden has also appointed BlackRock chief of staff, Wally Adeyemo, to be assistant secretary of the treasury, which means BlackRock is now the treasury as well as the treasury advisor. And this story is far from over. The genie is out of the bottle. And Aladdin has already reached a tipping point where one robot controls more wealth than any person or country. But as Aladdin's AI capabilities continue to grow, and with its rate of control rising by another trillion to two trillion dollars in new assets every year, it looks inevitable that Wall Street's secret weapon could end up owning everything and we end up owning nothing. So what do you think? Are you indifferent, surprised, angry, afraid or have a different point of view? And if you found this interesting, if not a little alarming, before you go, do subscribe. So I can keep you updated with more news on the exploits and adventures of Aladdin.
2: And there's his channel. I thought that was just an amazing little seven minute video there. Uh, Roger James Hamilton, for those that want to check that out. That's where they're pushing us, right? And they need this totalitarian technocracy to come about in order to make it happen. And we literally end up <laughs> with the AI in charge of everything and the few people at the top having everything they want, all the money, all the power, all the control over all of us little people. And they take society wherever they want to want to go with it. I mean, they, they've already captured the government I want to find that clip. I, I played it in a previous show where he flies in on his plane, sits down with the president who's telling him, no, we're not going to spy on this group for you. And he's like, well, okay, that's fine. But tonight your currency markets will crash and your country will go to complete shit and they will come looking for you in the palace and I'll get that guy over there with the mustache to replace you. Look at who we have in the White House right now and tell me that shit isn't happening right now. We have been captured by these things and we are controlled by them and they want to take that to the extreme, to the absolute extreme where they have the ultimate control and authority over your free will. That's where they want to go. And y'all better think real hard about your priorities. The way we stop it, we speak up, speak out and do it often to new people outside of Twitter, outside of your normal circles. Okay. Uh, this is a message. this is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny's account on Truth Social. Uh, yeah, they banned her. She talks about some of the same things that I do with the vaccines and so forth. And Truth Social has deplatformed her because you know, they're gonna Trump's gonna stand up for free speech, right? Well, guess what? Trump's using the same big tech platform that wants to censor us on YouTube and Google and everything else. And until they build their own, like Gab has that's what you're going to get. Of course, speaking of Google, here's a file name that is uh, in violation of the terms of service nursing home. It's a document titled under the nursing home directory, LTC COVID deaths by state. And this one needs to be removed. (laughs) <laughs> it's restricted. Why do you think they're giving you space for free to keep all your stuff so they can look at it and build a profile around you? You're the product. Uh, oh, here's another opinion on the cows. They This uh, Robbie Starbuck. Saying they did not die of extreme heat. I was talked to, I talked to multiple ranchers since I saw this video, one from Kansas, and they all say this needs to be investigated ASAP to get to the bottom of this because there's no way heat caused 10,000 normal cattle to drop dead. This is not normal. So, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I see arguments on both sides. I think we need more evidence, more data. The Clintons, they're very worried. We are on the edge of losing democracy. And by democracy, they mean uh, the democracy where they get to control and call the shots. So, uh, yeah, let's definitely fix things the way they want. Okay, I think that is it. There may be more here. Let me look. Oh, yeah, one more. One last thing. Here's the tether to U.S. dollar chart. You might have noticed there's a nice little stair step down there. What's happening? It was like in the 80 billion. Now it's 68 looks like. And it looks like they're doing just regular withdrawals from Twitter, winding it down. And I talk about this game of musical chairs, right? So they have all of this tether that they've taken corporate paper for and that they've used money to go invest in Chinese bonds and that they've put in suitcases and given to CFOs who get picked up by the department of justice. And so at some point this thing goes down and down and down. And what are they having to do? They're having to go redeem that paper. The only problem is that paper is not backed hundred percent anymore because the markets turned down. Now it's, I don't know, is it 40%, is it 20%, is it 80%? I don't know, but eventually it's going to run out and then there's no more chairs and a bunch of people holding worthless Tether and a bunch of exchanges locked into trading with Tether. What's Binance doing? They're distancing, they're basically calling out this problem and trying to distance away from it so the system's crashing things are getting very interesting all right i think that's it if well let me see here yeah that's it we covered a lot of ground (laughs) if anybody wants to jump in real quick from spaces you can do that just request the mic to speak Uh, i'll see if there's any comments i've been pretty quiet tonight doesn't look like, I know it's off topic, but what do you think is going to happen with Celsius depositors? Is there something going on with Simon Dixon? I don't know all the details of what's going on with Celsius. Um, I've, I've followed Bitfinex quite a bit. And he seems to think that Celsius is tied in with Tether. That's one of the other things here. There's so many exchanges and crypto projects and stuff tied in with Tether in bed with them. Um, celsius might be one of them so i have just seen some crazy stuff that people are calling for so all right that was there uh any chance that sovereign citizens are able to use 1099 a's being a scam or something to this area ucc law yeah I, i don't know i have no idea curious to see if the numbers at Vanguard BlackRock accumulated real estate during the court uh, quarter, I guess. I'm imagining they are. I mean, I think they're behind a lot of the increases in uh, the home prices because of you know, they're going and borrowing for nothing, buying houses and turning them into rentals. So is mass formation another name for a giant cult? No. So go um, go watch the interview that um, the Highwire did, that Dell Bigtree on the Highwire did with Matthias Desmet. He goes into a lot more detail than the clips that I played, and I think you'll get a good idea. But a mass formation it has certain components, and it's always used to bring in a totalitarian regime and to commit these. It's it's kind of like the process that happens that leads up to atrocities unfolding, right? And he's researched some of the other people who have written about it over the centuries and so or over the, I don't know, decades, whatever. And he's looked at what they've had to say. He's looked at what's happening now. He's put his book together, which I, I bet is really good. Um if it's if there's an audio book of it, I will definitely get it. Uh but it's different. It's got distinct things. Um, there's, I, I would say, there's just a lot of differences. You need to go go watch the interview. That will make a lot more sense. Okay. And then there was somebody that was wanting to speak. Let me unmute you. And oh wait, no, now it's requested again. Hold on. Bear with me. Okay. Why is it working? I'm clicking approve. There we go. Gerald, what's on your mind?
7: Well, I just wanted to say thanks for the presentation tonight. It covered a lot of different topics in quite a bit of depth with uh, humor and grace and uh, no small feed to, uh, to put that all together. So thank you.
2: Oh, certainly. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I think there's a lot that's about to start happening rather quickly and, um, it's time to prepare for it and recognize it and see the signs and understand kind of on one hand, the danger that we're in. And on, on the other hand, the opportunities that are present. And I think, you know, the, the whole cash, silver, crypto kind of thing is an important thing to set your, set you guys up for success. In, down the road. And also recognizing that we need more people like me that are willing to stand up and speak out. And if this is, you know, if speaking is too much, there's other ways you can write letters, you can make phone calls, you can send emails. It's there's different ways there. And I'll try and get those in the video descriptions for people to find. Uh, but I gave you the terms to search for as well. So I hope, I hope that a lot of you guys in the audience choose to take this up and look for templates and things to, um, you know, if you don't want to write your own thing or don't have the time to do it, but you can cut and paste something and send it to to some of these people, I think that's wonderful. And that's going to help keep that little voice in the back of their mind going, you know, questioning what they're doing. Because what Matt, Matthias uh, really laid out was, Once that voice is gone, that's when the atrocities start. So anything else, Carol?
7: Which, yeah, which specific people are you referring to? And another point that I was, um, you know, I think is relevant is that this war between Russia and um, Kiev or the Kiev regime, you know, Ukraine is, seems like it was timed So that it was well, like the Chinese and the Russians did not use the same mRNA path for their response to COVID. And this this, uh, war kicked off like well after the West, let's call it the Western regime was underway. And it seems like it was pretty well timed to coincide with cover for them to get away with this. Under the cover of the fact that the West was on on a different path, that seems like the kind of path you would pick if everything was. I mean, it just seems like they had perfect cover. Okay, not to be depressing. Yeah, but I, I, that's I, a that's a really powerful cover story for why we're not going to be effective at changing anyone's mind, and and it's pretty hopeless at this point, I would think. But what happy to changing hand it back over to
2: changing you. people's minds about what
7: are i mean are we not on the same you just gave a presentation right did we not
2: but changing specifically what are you thinking what are you saying they're changing their minds about with the invasion and the distraction just everything
7: uh, that the, that the west already picked its own course its own destiny i mean it did it itself it wasn't like this was like a mistake i mean the west chose its path and yeah the oh yeah east
2: okay i i think had, there
7: I, had a, a cover to just do what the east wanted to do
2: i think that there is definitely an intention behind this to sort of crash things because biden's shutting down energy he's uh you know closed the pipeline didn't renew oil leases uh, they're doing all these things to sort of disrupt society, the whole baby food thing. Why isn't that sorted yet? Like they literally, the FDA came in and shut down plants. You look at what they're doing with the J six, keeping those people in jail and the Colbert show goes in and does the exact same thing. They're out the next morning. Um, there's so many things that point to, this is all intentional. Uh, I think what, the real driver behind Russia. We did a show on this where we showed the guy at the UN, the Russian diplomat talking about the bio labs in Ukraine, the U S funded bio labs in Ukraine. They found the drones that were the agricultural ones for chemical spraying. They were testing, uh, transmissible viruses on money and giving it to children, hoping to make them sick. They found mental patients from a nearby institution that were, uh, looked like they were being medically experimented on and given drugs to make them sick. And they were not doing well. Um, you've got all of the, and the U S is like trying to claim, Oh, everything that's going on there is above board. And no, we definitely won't bring in independent inspectors to ver- validate our claims. So, It is the hotbed for the deep state and whatever is going on behind the scenes, I've got ideas about it, but who knows. I think that's what Putin was going in to disrupt. Any final thoughts?
7: Why silver over gold? Because it seems more portable. Obviously, if you're a silver fan, you're into electric batteries,
2: Mm -hmm. but
7: the industrial shift towards electrifying the vehicle fleet seems unrealistic. And it seems like silver is potentially dangerous because of the amount that is industrial rather than monetary.
2: Um, I think silver is a smaller market than gold. And because it has all that industrial demand, that's a, uh, it, it's because it's a smaller market. It's easier to manipulate than gold. Uh, I think they've tried to manipulate both with the, the ETFs. Um, they've been very successful with uh, SLV. Uh, the biggest physical shareholder of or physical holder of silver in the world is JP Morgan. There's a reason for that. Um, and the historic ratio has always been 15 to one and so forth I think there's a number of different reasons why silver is a better um, investment, at least in my view and my thoughts, uh, than gold. And those are a few of them. I, I think that industrial demand, that utility is so important and that it's going to be in demand in the future for its physical properties.
7: You had also mentioned crypto, and I'm a big fan of a new one that is about a year old, um, but it's very small market cap. Um, just wondering your thoughts about if if, if you distinguish between, um, you know, obviously the market cap uh, of Celsius is even still fairly high, even though they're not allowing redemptions. Um so, could something that is much smaller market cap still be worthy of attention?
2: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that do really well finding these small projects, buying a whole bunch when it's you know tiny, and then they sell after it goes up. Um, there's a lot of people that buy those and the project exit scams and rug pulls. Uh, my focus has been on projects that have real world utility. They get incorporated into business practices because they uh, perform a function or a service better than what it's done today. It's more efficient. It's cheaper. It's faster. Whatever it is, um, those are the projects that I look to invest in. And you know, I'm like a long-term buy-and-hold guy. And there's a, there's I've had opportunities to go and do farming and so forth. And a lot of my friends have done that and. They had money in, you know, some of these projects that went bust or, or rug pulled and exit scammed or failed. And, you know, I've missed out on some of those gains, but I've also avoided that risk. Um that's kind of my been my strategy for the most part. So
7: very helpful. Yeah. It uh the tokenization of assets and uh you know, the various different ways to connect to the global financial systems together is obviously um for the for the for the systems that get it right and and right. you know you're basically buying IBM essentially uh and then IBM shares are the operating system of the IBM databases. You know, it's like early days of when IBM was taking companies onto the computer.
2: hmm Well and like with ripple what they're doing i think is they're building the highways to connect the world and xrp is the vehicle that travels on those highways uh i think it's going to be at the center of the global financial system i don't think bitcoin's going away but i don't think bitcoin has the utility and the performance there's a bunch of characteristics that it just has failed to innovate and um there's got to be a bridge between the old system and the new system. And I think, um, the features of the XRP ledger, along with some other things, ideally sort of position it as we go into this time of upheaval where the central banks are the the fiat's failing. They're trying to roll out their CBDC. They're going to have to do something that's partially backed. Of course, how long before they print that into that backing into oblivion, Uh, and then you know why are people going to trust that when they have sound money you know represented by certain cryptos out there Uh, i don't think they're going to put up with it and the state can't exist in the way it does fight the war endless wars and have you know the the endless spending and so forth if everyone's using crypto instead of their little scam because that's essentially what it is it's a wealth extraction tool just like the rest of government where they're able to tax us without ever making us hand money over to them they just take it from the value i mean this doesn't this buys what a tank of gas now you know what you could get for this in the 80s a, a fun night let me tell you <laughs> all right i think we'll wrap it up there this has been a long one <clears throat> on to
7: yeah and I tried to find a little information online, but uh do you have more biographical information that you'd like oh, to share or is, yeah yeah is, Let me, are you not doxed or is that
2: you oh uh so i have a if you look in the description of the video, I will go and update it or look in some of my other videos I don't know where you're watching but uh i have a, a link link tree it's not a link tree they deplatform me uh but I have a different one that uh, has all of my platforms on it. And then as far as resources for contacting that I was referencing earlier, uh, and I appreciate you calling in, um, this is it right here. This is Toby Rogers, tobyrogers.substack.com. And the article is CDC launches sneak attack. If you put in Toby Rogers, CDC launches sneak attack, you'll find this. And that gives you uh, all of the addresses. A lot of these folks contact details for those of you that want to reach out and send them something pick out a little fact, maybe do it once a week or once a day or whatever, and send it to some of these folks and keep that little voice in the back of their head going. Right. And then the other one was uh, broken truth, broken truth TV on Twitter. He did a couple of the videos that we watched and uh, he's put this petition together to uh, file medical complaints against Uh, Rochelle Lewinsky for what she's done. And he's basically given you a template where you can kind of pile on and uh, submit your own complaint as well. And, you know, like Mary Bowden, she hired a private investigator to look into someone that files a complaint against her. And it turns out to be, I think it's a Bill Gates backed group that he's funding. That's going around trying to get all of these doctors because look at what's happened. She's gotten hit with one. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough gotten hit with one. Um, I know there's another one that I'm not. Pierre Corey has been hit with one. So they're going around trying to pick all these guys off to silence them and discredit them so that they can get away with it. And the reason that they're doing that is because we are winning. Right. And Bastiat's got a great quote here. He says, when plunder becomes a way of life, for a group of men in a society over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. And that is the world that we live in today. Folks, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you can support the show, please do it. Uh, you, there's Patreon uh, to the lifeboats.patreon.com, but they could deplatform me at any time. So there's a subscribe star one, there's Substack. If you want to just subscribe there to support what I do, it takes money to run this show. We would very much appreciate it. Understand for those of you that can't, this is how you can help otherwise. Speak out, speak up, do it often. And let's change the course that we're currently on. I'm Sam I am. I'll catch you all next broadcast. Thanks, everyone.
10: Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind They said it was to save lives, yeah, that was a lie The writing's on the wall, man, can't you see the signs? Now they're coming for the children, they just crossed the line They said just give it time, only three weeks and it will all be fine They want you tuned in to that TV every night So that they can implant fear deeply in your mind Now in order to defeat them, yo, we need to unite The Ministry of Truth has taken over There's a reason that they chose Corona Yeah, Corona means Crown, work it out, man, it's all symbolism from the beginning. They told you, a virus to the mind. Infecting your thoughts, but enough is enough. Now we're saying no more. We see the Trojan horse at the door. This is war. We can't ignore the call. Big brother's going to fall. Yeah, we got to light the torch for humanity. Because 1984 wasn't fantasy. George Orwell was warning what the plan would be. Now you can see it all in their strategy. Yeah, They want to call us conspiracy theorists. But right now, we're the ones that are seeing the clearest. This is social engineering, how many alarm bells have to ring before people start to hear them serious ah can't you see this is deliberate they hand out sanitizers and masks but not vitamins McDonald's stayed open same time the gyms didn't the only pandemic is cognitive dissonance yeah this is totalitarian people are waking up so they need to keep scaring them declaring new waves and new variants they got tricks up their sleeves so we gotta be prepared for them they choose what the facts are with their propaganda we know what their plans are so they won't get that far nah you don't have to be pythagoras to see that this ain't adding up how much until you've had enough Right now it's the last straw Yeah, they're slowly bringing in their passports It's been leading to this from the start Time to look into your heart now and choose what you stand for It's the dehumanisation of the nation Erasing the basic foundations of human relations The emergence of apartheid creating segregation That's the road that they're paving Cause if you're not jabbed then it's you that they're blaming It's you that is dangerous Mass manipulation coercing you to get penetrated what's the difference between that and a rapist i think their plot's got some holes they want you to follow rules but they don't it's a joke now it's coming to the end of the road it's a fight for our souls how much of your life have they already stole and how much more will they try to how much will you turn a blind eye to roll up your sleeve and get a free donut to eat can't you see they're trying to bribe you What's really in that concoction? How many adverse reactions till we stop this? How many must die for power, lies and profits? I refuse to just stand by watching, no that is not an option. What if that was your kid? Maybe then you would start talking. Maybe then you'd see the point. The children need a voice. We need to fight for their future before it's destroyed.